Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. All right, back with you here on the, uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, power panel in today, you've got uh, Elizabeth here, you have R.D. here, you have Paul here, and I'm here. And we've got a lot of different things that uh, we're going to kind of hash out. If you want to get involved in the discussion today, uh, the phone number here is 823-0967. 823-0967. Now, I want to... I, oh, oh, nine six five. I said six seven, didn't I? Yeah, six five. Uh, because I was looking at copy as I'm getting ready to go start the show. I got to quit reading. I got to try to quit reading three, three things at once, Russ. And I'll, I'll stop doing that crazy stuff. And, uh, you're not quite like it was Benjamin Franklin who could who could write in two different languages yeah. with each of his hands and yes. speak a third. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about somebody who could use his entire brain. That's that's pretty pretty much it. All right, so we we want to go ahead and get started. First thing I'm I'm going to do is that Paul last night was at the gubernatorial uh, debate that went on, and it was held where? It was at uh, New Hope Baptist Church, I think, there in North Little Rock. I think it was New Hope Baptist Church. I have to look at it again, but I think that's what it was. Okay. And um, and you said there were about four hundred people there. I would guess it's pretty close. It, the room was pretty full. And I, I think somebody told me the auditorium would hold about four hundred. And so yeah, it was it was pretty. If, when I was sitting, we, you had to sit relatively close. You didn't have ten feet between people. It was probably three or four feet in those cases or less. Okay, or so you also said you know you got a list of the questions. Who put this these questions together? Do you know? Um, was it news media? Was news media there to ask the questions or who? No, I, I you know, I don't. Who, who moderated? I, well, um, I think it was kind of a group of, of ministers that kind of put it together. And um, the, um, let me, I'm looking at some information I have here. Um, but actually, there was some. Um, Oh, what's the guy's name with Family Council? Um, Jerry. Jerry Cox was actually he was actually one of the people who an, who asked questions. They were okay. already written out ahead of time. I don't think I don't know that any of them were his questions. Okay, but he was the, the mouthpiece at least there. Um, I don't know that I recognized the other people that were that were asking questions. Okay, but it was it was set up differently than I've ever seen a, a forum or debate set up before. All right, they didn't have them all up there together. They had. Each of them come up separately, and so they started off with Mark West, and they asked him every single question right off the bat. And so he was, he stood up there for like twenty minutes and answered all the questions, hmm. and then um, <clears throat> then Henderson got up behind him and did the same thing, and then mm-hmm. Asa was last. And it's like they didn't have any interaction with each other. So it wasn't a debate. It wasn't a debate. So it, was no. it was a, a bunch forum. Of they called it a, yeah a forum. They, they called it a forum. Okay, um, all right. They didn't call it a debate. And so it was it was. It was different, I think, than anything I've ever seen before as far as a political forum sort so of So just thing, a question and answer for each person, right. each and it, candidate. And from my perspective, it was very, very tilted to encourage socialism. Well, sure. It, it that's, was, that's to be expected. It was, it was, it was, it was very – it was like, 
how are you going to promote socialism in this way? How are you going to promote socialism in that way? How are you going to promote socialism? They actually asked that question that way. Not quite, but pretty much, yeah. Well, I mean, did you hear some of the questions? Go ahead and ask. Listen to some of the questions and how they're worded. And so um, so I'll I'll read the little premise here is the health care questions. Today, 96% of children in Arkansas have health coverage, largely due to the Our Kids First program, a socialist program. Up to 300,000 adults have access to affordable care coverage because of the state's Medicaid expansion program, Arkansas Works. And so the first question is, how will you protect health coverage for children? Okay, the second question is, what is your position on providing affordable coverage to adults who are low-income earners? Third question is, how will you ensure that all children and families in Arkansas have access to high-quality health care? I think the implication is, how the only gonna, way you do this is with government intervention. Yeah, it's it's Big not daddy. Yeah, it's it's not, it wasn't the question of you know we have a problem with healthcare in this country or this what state. Should how should we handle it? It the questions were, we want you to handle it this way, and how are you going to ensure to us that you're going to keep on promoting this government solution as opposed to fixing the problem? Because we do have serious problems with healthcare, and a lot of it is government, not the fact that we don't have enough government. Well. A lot of it is the government and the insurance companies working together. Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked to a lot of Democrats about health care. And one thing that we have to understand health care, that health care and people receiving health care is separate from health insurance. Sure. You can have health insurance and have very poor health care, mm-hmm. and the health insurance that you have will not cover anything. Sure, sure. So you- I've, I've asked many Democrats that says that I'm very much against Arkansas Works, that I don't think is a – a revelation out there to anybody. <laughs> uh, they're very much against Obamacare, which Arkansas Works was created through and is mm-hmm. nothing but Obamacare. But right. if you ask a de- anybody in the Democrat that I've asked, is do you think that the person receiving health care that needs it and the taxpayers, do you think <clears throat> that the taxpayers' money ought to go 25% to an insurance company and 75% to the person that's that's giving the care for the person that needs it. And I can tell you how many Democrats said that, that the insurance companies ought to get 25%. It is zero. Right. Not even Democrats believe that we ought to be giving Blue Cross and Blue Shield 25% of the money when we're providing people care for the people that can't afford it. Right. What we've set up right now is a fascist system that's worse than single-payer. It is worse than single payer. It costs fifty percent more. more. It costs fifty percent more than single payer. That's because we, we got have, the insurance companies in the big middle of it, if nothing that's else. Right. And the people are getting very poor care. My wife's at that's Domino's right. Pizza, and the two girls are talking about. Well, I need this test done, and I need this test done. So my wife asked them, "Well, do you have health insurance?" And the the girls said, "Yeah, we have Arkansas Works, mm-hmm. but Arkansas Works will would not pay for any of the things they needed." Mm-hmm. So my wife said, listen, this is what's wrong with the system is uh, people that are that can afford it are paying insurance. They're paying for your insurance so you can get care, but the insurance companies aren't giving you the care that you need, and they're keeping half the money that the, uh, that the people can aff- afford it or pay it. So these girls are like, hey, where did you come from? You know, <laughs> They're wanting to like her phone number to call right. because everybody knows the system is broke except – the people that are giving Blue Cross and Blue Shields the contracts and the money. The ones that are if, breaking it. The people that have the insurance that are getting poor care knows it broke. And the people like me whose insurance has gone up 75% mm-hmm. knows that it broke. And I have seen no improvement with it since we got a Republican governor or a Republican president. Mm-hmm. Neither one. Right. I think mine's up 
almost 100% since Obamacare went into place. Um, I think mine was back – I think it's pretty close to 100% higher than what it was back when Obamacare first went in. Right, and people that can't afford care or people that we need to help – still are not getting the help that they deserve. But Blue Cross and Blue Shield is getting a lot of money, and DHS is getting raised $125 million every year. So DHS is growing. State government is growing. Blue Cross and Blue Shield is getting richer. We're getting poor and paying twice as much money, and the people we're trying to help are not getting the help they deserve. But this is conservative Republicans. Something like that. But, and at the end of the day, our hospitals are incredibly dangerous places. I mean, the, the numbers I'm hearing right now are the hospitals are killing about – the medical industry is killing about 100,000 people a year from their medical medical errors well, or the, preventable medical errors. And, and and what would happen if you know, if we allowed a little free market stuff in this mix? Really, they to, have to, a captured audience. Like you're saying, they don't have a captured – they have a captured audience. So the insurance companies don't have to make a policy that looks good and that someone would want to buy. Right. Uh, I mean, they don't have to satisfy their customers. The customers have to come to them because it's being paid for by the government. All the Blue Cross and Blue Shield has to do is convince the politicians what coverage is that they're going to give people. And the politicians say, okay, we'll give them this coverage right here. It's cheap and we can afford it. And as the state government continues to run out of money to fund it, and and as our percentage at the state of Arkansas goes up, mine and yours cost is going to go up, just like it's going up another 4% this year or 5%. And the people are going to continue getting worse coverage because as socialism runs out of money, they will charge us more and the people oh, on the yeah. bottom will get less. Okay. Artie, yeah. I, I understand your your irritation, all right? Yeah, right. You know that I understand. Yeah, right. And your frustration. <laughs> But I, I'm going to talk, I'm going to say to you what I said to Paul earlier before we went on the air. Whose fault is this? Is it the politicians, really? Well, we elected them. Okay, hey, we elected what them. Does that about, uh-huh. what, what does this uh-huh. say about the American public? There you go. Yeah, the American public wants socialism. We're getting, a bunch of them we're, do. we're getting, we're getting the government we're, that we're putting into place right. because we don't stop it. We keep going. I listen to parents complain about this stuff all the time Mm -hmm. and you know if you stand if you sit and just take a a thought for a moment how'd your kids end up being the little brown shirts they are when they come out of college because they were immersed in it for the last 15 years how, how are they there yeah the parents paid for it okay the parents paid for college right and they put them in public school and then they paid for high school and and grade school and all the rest because all that money uh, came out of their property taxes. So my question is a simple one. It's the people of this country that have failed the country. It's not just politicians. Right. A lot of politicians are voting because you have told them that's what you want. Right. I went to a And city. your kids have been taught wrong, and yet I don't see school boards overflowing with parents saying, what the crap are you people doing Thank here? You. That's exactly Thank right. You. And this is my comment. If we get the government we bought, or sorry, that we bought. voted for, that we bought, <laughs> bought, yeah, really, bought and paid for. That, that we voted for, then what about all those people that aren't voting? 
And how about all this regulation and stuff that we're trying to put in place to take care of the fact that most people, many people, don't vote? It's happening because you've let it. That's right. Exactly. That's right. And there's people I mean, I And that's because all those people I'll sit home and don't vote. Ugly, I'll get, I, t- I will take it as a badge <laughs> of, of uh, honor. honor. You send me a bunch of uh, emails and texts and posts on my Facebook and whatever – and say, blah, 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 that's BS, blah, 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 blah. No, it's not BS. It's the truth, and you better deal with it. It's kind of like what Jack Nich- Nicholson said. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> the truth yeah. is you've let this happen to our country. We sure have. No, I mean, I've, I've got, a, I've got a, a cousin whose parents were ticked off with her because she, she went to public school, and she went to an expensive kind of left-wing college. And she was supporting Obama. I think she literally voted for Obama. Yeah. And so her parents were ticked off with her. They couldn't have hardly have a conversation about the about politics mm-hmm. because it was so awful. I guess. What, actually, I what was but, she taught when she was in school? And that's yeah. because yeah, I mean, people, people get upset it. because well they start spouting stuff I never taught them at home. That's right because the public school system <clears> has them you. eight or nine hours a day, and right. you keep paying you adult parents for your adult children to go to these colleges. To be even further indoctrinated, right. and when they get out, they're in debt, so that they got indoctrinated. I mean, they're literally and in now debt they want the for paying for that, so they, they got indoctrinated. Now they, and they want have the to government to pay debt. this debt off. It's ridiculous. Well, to pay the debt off as well as to pay for them to go and get indoctrinated. Mm-hmm. Let the government pay for your child to go to college free, so, so for, they for, have a real more opportunity. Training. Right to indoctrinate them in social socialistic thinking right and so this this which is going to lead into a story we're going to get into in just a second i, I went to a senator's office to that 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 lives close to me i went to a senator's office and and i i uh, uh congratulate him on, on winning a race and i said well i think people are getting ready for to more conservative ideas in Arkansas and, and less government and more capitalism, and he said, "Well, he said, that's uh, not what I'm seeing, R.D." <laughs> he said, "Well, <laughs> you know, that's what they say to your face. I understand that, but that's not always the yeah. way they vote." Mm-hmm. And you know what? I was there to congratulate him. I said, "Hey, you may be apparently you may be right. Maybe you're right. Maybe people talk. Maybe people may be talking out of both sides of their mouth. I mean." Uh, if, if they, that's don't what you want. they don't want socialism until it's their program that's going to get taken yeah, away. Yeah, unless right. they want the library or they want the free library, the the free swimming pool, and mm-hmm. and they they want. But they don't like it when you call it socialism. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know they want free education for their children, mm-hmm. and they want their children to go to college without having to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So uh, so whenever you ask these questions, are you for socialism or not? You better define what your definition of socialism is. I mm-hmm. just go back and remind everybody about our kids all right when our kids went into effect in the state of arkansas i forget what the percentage was of of people who dropped their kids off of their insurance and put them on the government insurance now that tells me it's people who are more than happy in government programs sure. like that, sure, and that's one of the arguments that that I get. People say, "Well, we can't. We got to have public schools for for all these poor people." Well, we've got tons and tons of rich kids on public school right yeah. now. What's the What's the deal? I ask them, "Are you poor?" <laughs> well, yeah. no. Well, sure. your kids in public school, yeah. Then why? 
Is it is it a welfare program or is this just a, a universal welfare program for rich kids? Well, I tell you what, we better we better make sure that we put creation in our school system along with everything else, and we better keep morals and the foundation of this country coming from God, and uh, in the basis of the foundation of this country be built on the Constitution, which I believe has has godly has godly principles in it and was built on the foundation of, of, of God's word. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, if we don't put that back into our school systems, we're going to lose out of what you're talking about. So uh, we are guilty, Dave, as charged, but uh, it's time to uh, not look back but look ahead and do something about well, our the, the only way you, All we can do is look you, ahead. But R.D., the only way you change it is for the people to change. That's exactly right. And Ever, it's individual responsibility for everybody. Well, and, that, and that's one of the things that at the at the forum last night that I was noticing is Mark West was offering some different ideas, like such as instead of government funded um, after school programs, he was suggesting how how will we encourage businesses to offer apprenticeships for kids, <gasps> private private industry. Yeah, oh yeah. my god! And so this would this would be cool. Like, do it yourself. The, the, the people there. Actually, were responding pretty well to that. They they weren't booing him over it. This is a this is a, a free market solution to kids needing something to do in the afternoons or in the summertime. I mean, uh, you got to pay a minimum wage. Though, go right? down to the grocery I, I don't store. Care and pay a minimum wage of groceries. <laughs> but don't carry out groceries. But, and, and, right. and he didn't get into details like that. But it was it was interesting how much positive feedback he was getting off of that. All right, let's take a break. I uh, want to remind you about Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics. Don't forget that they're making big changes right now. They're completely demoing and uh, redoing their original location on 12th Street here in Little Rock. They've been there since the late 80s. The house has been there since the late 1800s. But now they're turning it into a state-of-the-art facility. Got the latest technology and prosthetics and orthotics, you know, where they can get the the stand. And uh, when you walk by them with your prosthetic, they can really – Get into seeing how good your gait is, your walk is, so they can make sure your prosthetic is working the way it should be working. Uh, they're going to have a really large new waiting room. They've got a 3D printer. They're just waiting for the material that that 3D printer uses. Uh, they're working on it, uh, the scientists are, to make it stronger. So they won't make, uh, you know, uh, forms anymore to make your uh, prosthetic uh, they're going to print it right out by going over your uh you know the stump that you have from having your leg removed or arm removed or hand removed or ankle or you know cut or whatever and uh, they'll get a perfect match of that and be able to print it and it will fit you perfectly and uh, hortons is doing all of this because they believe in their people they have a great patient relationship they want you to reach the, the mobility that you want to get to. And that's what they want to do with Hortons. Remember, they'll have six locations when the uh, uh, demo and addition is done. They'll be in Little Rock, North Little Rock, Bryant, Conway, Fort Smith, and Searcy. Hortons Orthotics and Prosthetics providing a lifetime of support. Now, there's a reason why we're, we're talking about this here during this half hour, because i got another story I want to bring to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Gallup went out and did a survey. I think it was from the end, like Friday, Thursday or Friday of last week to the beginning of this week, and uh, they came up with some interesting numbers. And we'll tell you what the numbers are, but then I want to talk about the reality of America. 
and and I think we'll all agree that you are who join us on the show every day or listen to me every day know where I stand on many of these issues but I can tell you what you'll call in and say how much you agree with me but I'm not seeing any kind of movement of the needle that direction which tells me that a lot of people are speaking out of um, a certain part of their anatomy. They're, they're keyboard warriors, Dave, yeah. or phone uh, warriors. It's well, easy to dial a phone number. It's easy to post something on Twitter or Facebook, but you got to do something well, to get are. a change in our political yeah, situation. And I think it's part of the problem is that you know we're working hard to try to keep the um, keep the tide of socialism from overwhelming us, but at the end of the day, we, we've got a really big uphill battle just to keep it uh, keep it keep the Where status quo. And it's our fault. Right. All right, we'll talk more about this when we come back on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we were looking at public school teacher salaries. This is, uh, now they, they, they're they different from school district to school district. I'll just pull a few up here for you. Public school teachers' annual base salary. Bentonville, Arkansas, $49,639. That's average That's starting. Bentonville, Dave. Find something starting. a little bit smaller. Hey, stop. Stop. <laughs> stop. All right? I know that you have ties in education, all right? They make more in Little Rock, all right, than in Bentonville. Uh, yeah. But the bottom line, this whole story that the public school teachers don't make a livable salary oh, yeah. is a lie. They're already talking about raising salaries again. Our school teachers need more money no they don't they don't fort smith 48000 jacksonville 51000 pine bluff 50000 springdale 50000 texarkana 50000 i'm i'm Conway's just, just running there. down yeah i gave you conway already 51, conway yeah. was 40 or 51 Fifty-one five almost. Now, you're not even t- talking about all the benefits that are added on top of that. But the bottom line is that's the average salary. For nine months. That's not a full year of work. So not I, all of them work you know, nine. Some of them work 12. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not making this up. These are salaries as of July 31st of this year. Mm. That seems like pretty good money. It seems to me that the Democrat side of the House always, always, always wants more money for education and i guess my question would be if i think it's pretty clear you always want the best that we can get when we're paying let's just say from 45 to fifty thousand dollars a year this is the result that we get we're getting screwed well and that yeah (laughs) if you look at what we're spending on the school system though and and you look at the facilities and you look at the ballparks and the football fields and stuff like that you know i would say that salary is closer in line than than the overall picture of what we're spending on education and get out of it i mean that salary i mean i'm not saying they need more but i'm saying that salary is is not real bad out of bounds as as far as being bad out of line but uh i don't know it'd be interesting to go in what the superintendent's make and what some of the other people make uh, on that but uh 
money is not the problem with our education system right now it's the curriculum and the motivation and the teachers not having the leeway to teach their children in the way that the children learn the best see this is the thing they keep asking for more and more money and more and more money and more and more money and more and more money okay show me we're dumping all that money into this system for the last 10 15 years that i can remember has given you better results when you can show me that i might be interested well, it, Might it's, just sit back and think about it. So in Arkansas, I think the average expenditure per child on an overall basis is about $11,000 per student. That's an insane amount of money. So sit back and think about that. So let's say I give R.D. Hopper 25 students, and he gets all that $11,000 to, to, to teach that. That's over a quarter million dollars that R.D. would get to teach those 25 students. Now – you think what, what what could R.D. Hopper do with, with a quarter, with a million, quarter dollars. million dollars to educate 25 students for a year or for nine mm-hmm. months? He well, could do an awful lot. If you cut out – I know you're not going to like me for this, but if you cut out the football fields mm-hmm. and all this extra stuff right. and get down to real education, that would right. be a big step forward. R- R.D. And maybe our kids but could actually have, test out at some higher levels and defense, do better than – In defense of some of these sports programs, it's not – taxpayers money that's paying for those fields and stuff it's booster clubs sometimes they're like that i know that is what the what that's the way it is in cabot well, cabot they got a, a, a yeah, wonderful got facility a big, they do and i know it was by business and stuff that that was built well i'm okay with that i just don't want my tax dollars going to it okay but, so the minimum the the minimum teacher salary in the state of arkansas this is by an april 12 2016 report to the general uh, to the uh, general uh, assembly, uh, phase in minimum salary was thirty thousand dollars a year. That's not starving money. Hmm. Thirty thousand dollars a year. Thirty-one thousand sixteen and seventeen. Beginning salary range uh, top five districts was forty-one three up to forty-six five. Beginning salary range in nine districts were in some of the lowest. We're, uh, what's it say here? I just jumped on me. 29.2 to 29.4. And uh, just you just kind of go across and see how uh, this has moved through. Right, and we remember that's only basically you're getting $30,000 a year for three quarters of a year. So you still have the other three months out of the year that you can either go on vacation or you can find another job. Or maybe you mow, mow, mow yards in the summer or something of that nature. And so you it's not like it's not like you're getting it's not the same as simply getting thirty thousand dollars for a year-round job like the rest of us have to work i'm just saying that the the argument that teachers make paupers wages is not entirely mm-hmm. true ask a bunch of paupers over in maybe like um japan no japan. i'm not, not even japan. taking I mean, that i'm not, not even, even taking that i'm not argument, even looking outside our our borders i'm looking inside our arkansas borders okay i'm looking right here apples to apples not apples to oranges or apples to pineapple or anything i'm looking the way that uh, that it's all set down so it just so happened i kind of looked up conway school district here paul i think you said a minute ago you kind of wondered or was it urd talking about superintendents conway school district superintendent is greg murray does anybody want to guess what he gets paid superintendents a lot keep going 200 keep going 250 
$224,917. Extremely high. Retirement and all that. That's right at 220. That's a quarter of a million dollars a year plus benefits. Wow. Yeah, a lot of I'm sorry. That is way. Does that include a, uh, uh, you know, a. so that costs taxpayers what three hundred and fifty four hundred thousand. This is we'll a, this you, is a we'll salary database, we'll, we'll, so that's we'll all pay I can for look your, up. For your time at the country club and all the rest, does <laughs> that pay for I, a car that might be? Yeah, at I don't his know. Disposal? This is strictly salaries. I looked up salaries. I'm just well, saying. I'm, right? That's all be. included with some. Wow, man! But, I mean, uh, I already knew that our building was the epitome of the school experience in Conway. Yeah, it looks, you have a but new oh high school. But oh my God, a quarter of a million dollars a year, a million dollars every four years this man makes. Yeah, and it costs the state more than that. Or the government more than that. <gasps> and how so many other mind. administrative assistants do we have? You know, I mean, that's more than that our government money. people even make. Oh, sure, oh, that's my more gosh. than the governor makes. Yeah, yeah, it's probably, probably nearly crazy. twice what the governor makes. How many other administrators do you have within the system taking care of all the red tape that keeps all the all the grants and all the money coming in from the different places, the federal government and everywhere else? Yeah, so I'm just I'm just saying. The point that I'm trying to make here is a lot of the things that we have been told are not true. They're just not well, true. like everything else. All right. Hasn't super- been true. But if we want to go in and look at the public school system, uh, which we should, because whatever is being taught in our public school systems, as parents, we have not fought uh, strong enough to stop it. I agree with that. I've shown up for for different things of, to do with education. One that comes to my mind was the park testing, which was a terrible test that right. the kids had to take. And I was the only p- parent that showed up in the state of Arkansas to testify again at, to, in, in, in committee. I was the yeah. only one. And there was a room full of superintendents there making 200000 a year, apparently, to tell everybody why it was so great. Well, again, how much money was coming in from the government on that? Lobbyists, right. a lot. Well, the testing company makes a lot of money, and uh, apparently, hmm. all right. Going to get a break, and we've got uh, Arrow Plumbing. Don't forget about Arrow Plumbing. Arrowplumbing dot net is their website. Google Arrow Plumbing. You can find all of their uh, information where you can get in touch with them. If you're not one hundred percent guaranteed or satisfied. Uh, with the service that has been provided by Aero Plumbing, they'll refund all of your money. They want you to be 100% satisfied. If your plumber swears in your home, if one of their plumbers swears in your home, doesn't wear their uh, little uh, booties, the shoe covers, uh, or you find out they haven't been drug tested, you don't pay for the service. If a repair fails in the first year, They'll repair it again at no charge. And then last, they have their uh, clean home guarantee, just another one of their guarantees that the folks have. They guarantee that if their expert comes to your house and uh, doesn't clean up after themselves and and doesn't leave your home clean, they'll send a professional to clean your entire home. Now, that's a guarantee from the folks at uh, Aero Plumbing. And Earl Donaldson, who's the the owner and the man who put all this together, believes that that's the kind of service and guarantees that you should be uh, knowing that you're going to get. And it's what makes Aero Plumbing uh, a better plumbing company. 
I mean, I'm not going to say you can't go out and find somebody cheaper, but you get what you pay for. Just telling you, you get what you pay for. I use Aero Plumbing. They've saved me money. Their work has been impeccable. They back up their work. They only send professionals, and they do a great, great job. That's Aero Plumbing. And, uh, guys, I'm, I'm, as you look at that money, you know, uh, people in this state have to ask themselves a very straight question, and that is, are you getting your money's worth? Are you getting worth? what you paid for? You know, are you getting it? Elizabeth pulled up. I can't answer that. you got to answer it. I don't have any any uh, kids in, in the public schools. I have grandkids, and, uh, you know, I, I think we all need to be smarter and get in front of our school boards and start asking about what's being taught to our children. Let's take a break. We'll do that. Then we'll come back and do more. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. We're with you until 5 o'clock today, or, uh, or to 6 o'clock. Five o'clock with our Bible guys. Don't get a break from you. Yeah, you'd be lucky if you got a break. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. All right, we'll be back in a moment. We got to take a break. All right, let's get. uh, I wasn't even planning on talking what we're talking about right now. I wasn't even going there. We got a whole lot of other things to to work off of. Yeah. uh, In these uh, these two articles that we got here today, but uh, education came up because of this gallup poll that said 57 percent of democrats like socialism how many how many uh, republicans already said they like socialism uh 16 percent of republicans viewed Hmm. so socialism favorably okay how many democrats viewed uh capitalism favorably let's see uh let's say 47 percent Okay, so it's 57 pro-socialism, 47% pro-capitalism. That doesn't quite add up, does and it? And then uh, <laughs> the, uh, what was the other one that uh, – what to say about uh, Republicans? How many people like socialism? How many people like capitalism? So uh, according to this, it was 71% have a positive view of capitalism, while 16% viewed socialism favorably. Okay. What, what I'm looking at what's, – right. what I'm finding interesting is that so that Democrats – Fifty-seven percent of Democrats viewed socialism favorably, while forty-seven percent of Democrats had a positive view of capitalism. What's those don't quite add up there? No, that's government math. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's okay. Gallup. Well, it's, it's a, maybe a, the indication got, is people don't know what maybe, socialism well, is. They, or some capitalism. of them haven't haven't said what it is. They may have gave two two different answers. Right. Sometimes it's right, I greatly don't. like it or I like it, and they'll put right. those two numbers together. Yeah. I don't know well, what they've done well, there. They don't, they don't know the different. They don't know. They don't have a, have a, the concept that capitalism is diamo- diametrically. Say that word it, does not mean what they think it means. Well, no. and, it, and it's, it's <laughs> it doesn't well, mean free money that's, forever. That's, that's one of the problems with the term. I, I don't like to use use the term, term capitalism because a lot of people don't really know what it means. I think people, people don't what know they, what socialism and what they, means. And what they think it means is corporatism and not capitalism. Those nasty it's corporations. Di- it's completely different concept. Right, because you have people come along and say, well, we need to have government subsidies so that we can help capitalism along or we can help the free markets. No, I'm sorry, that's, that's not free capitalism. That's, that's, not, corporatism. that's not free markets. That's, right. that's, that's, that's corporatism or, or if you want to call it fascism or, or crony capitalism, if you will. But that's not free market capitalism. 
Yeah, if, if you look at this, the Republicans are not bo- voting the 71% capitalism and 16% socialism. <laughs> I think if you ask these questions, instead of socialism has a bad word to Republicans, the word to Republicans, that's, that's a dirty word, right. and it should be a dirty word. But if you break it down, to, how, how do you feel about after-school programs? Exactly. Or how do you feel about exactly. pre-K programs? How do you feel about subsidized medical care for tax-supported? Right after school right. programs. Right. right. How do you tax supported health care? I think those I, numbers would change. All of those. A couple things. of our viewers have have kind of weighed in here, and they're saying, you know, it wasn't a debate; it was a rehearsed forum. The ministers and the candidates put the list of questions together. Now, I don't know how accurate that is. That may be an observation. I don't know about that, but it sounds like it was a, an event designed to play to the base, for sure, to me. Uh, I, to, to me, when I saw the questions, it was like seriously. This is this is a this is a, a great way for for maybe a Democrat party um, primary debate or something of that nature. These questions are incredibly skewed to the left. Well, and that's what this person is saying. It was rehearsed. Well, I, there were some people that should have done a real good job in that atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, but but it was it was to me that it was incredibly slanted to the left. I wonder whether, you know, if you're in a for- forum or, a, or an event like that, whether it would be a really grand opportunity to make a strong stand against socialism. Absolutely. No, I think, I think that's an But, op- but that's, that's an not op- what happened, right? Well, Mark, Mark, Mark did to some, ex- to, some, to some extent do that. He offered an actual alternative to the other two. It I mean, was, that would take it, courage it in a room like what it, you're talking it, about. It wasn't as, it wasn't as aggressive as I would have liked to see, perhaps, but it was pretty good. I, I appreciated his his efforts there, and, and his his um his approach might have been better than my. What, approach what about anyway. our What about our governor? How did he respond to these questions? He was he he was seemed to be fairly proud of um of Arkansas for in, engaging in um in various different programs such as our kids first and um, after school programs and such. I think he I think he pointed out that Arkansas was I think maybe number one number eight in the nation for after-school programs or something of that nature. Mm. And so he seemed fairly proud of these these after-school programs. And our, our kids, kids first, first went out the window when we approved Obamacare for Arkansas. So that's sort of interesting yeah, so to I don't, me. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand what, what our kids first – or how that plays a, a role in the current system right now. It but, doesn't. It, it pretty it, much went out it, the window it, when they it, brought in Obamacare. It was killed off to a large degree, on, if yeah. not completely. So I think, it, I think it's still alive, but maybe it's still coming. And that, that was kind of my point. That was, I think, a Governor Beebe, or before him even, program, not a, but not a Governor Hutchinson. First, I think it was, that I think was, it was that, Huckabee, right? That was Huckabee. Yeah. Huckabee. Well, that's what I'm saying. I know it's before Governor Hutchinson. Yeah, he didn't, Huckabee he didn't have anything yeah. to do with that program. He's the one that got behind it. Right. And – you know, and maybe he, and maybe he got behind it because you know I'll admit that I think he had four Republicans in the House and one Republican in the Senate. Yep. All right. Yep. He didn't so have a, you got a choice do, in a lot of ways. You got to do what you can do to get maybe, some of what you want. Maybe half a Republican care of you know as far as that. What? Maybe half a Republican in the Senate. Yeah. I'm yeah, more and half, more. Yeah. I'm more and more coming around know, to this football thing. Who the Republican was. This football thing about moving the ball for the down instead of going for the touchdown, and if I don't get the touchdown, I'm just going to quit. No, you've got to move the ball. Right, so I've got to move I, the ball. I think, I think some of these things, like this forum last night, I think that was an opportunity for, for, for candidates, even if you know you're not going to win, I think it's an opportunity to change the debate and, and to make things better, perhaps. Do you think they changed anybody's mind on how they were going to vote in that room? You know, I don't know. I, I, think, it, I think it was interesting. I think there's – I think – the difference between Asa and Henderson 
was so infinitesimally small in the way they responded, I don't know that people could have made a, a major distinction between the two. All right, let's get a break. Evidently, some are making the distinction because most black folks are not supportive oh, of Republicans well, yeah, at all. You're probably true. They there. sound like they've get behind some Democrat programs. Mm-hmm. All right, a break, and then we got more coming your way when we come back. We're going to talk about West Virginia. Cue up John Denver. We'll be back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, second hour. Tuesday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show and today's Power Panel Day. They are all here. Elizabeth's here. Artie is here. Paul is here. Russ is over on the other side of the window where he cannot throw things at me. <laughs> although he gives me the evil eye enough that I know he I wants to throw some at me. words at you. You will feel like you've been covered up by a cord <laughs> of wood. Bottom line, uh, I'm here. And we'll give you the opportunity to get involved in the conversation. 823-0965. 823-0965. And uh, wanted to talk about a story. I talked a little bit about this yesterday. And this needs to happen uh, to keep things clean uh, in uh, government, whether it be local government, state government, or federal government. And what we want to talk about is what's going on in West Virginia. I'm drawing on a story by John Raby uh, of the Associated Press from yesterday. I talked a little bit about this story. A West Virginia Supreme Court justice is facing a 23-count federal indictment. He was impeached yesterday for spending... $363,000 on his office renovations. Now, I believe there's more to that than office renovations. And as I read this, I think you'll agree with me. Part of an extraordinary move by lawmakers to consider putting the entire court on trial in the Senate. (laughs) The state House of Delegates, that would be like our House of Representatives, voted 64-33 to send the impeachment article, one of eight, against suspended Justice Alan Lowry to the state Senate for a trial. The House was to consider and make uh, recommendations on 13 other articles later yesterday that I don't have the result of that. So, in essence, there was a total of 23 plus another 13, 36 articles presented against this guy. It included allegations that he lied about taking home a $42,000 antique desk, a $32,000 suede leather couch, and that Chief Justice Margaret Workman and Justices Robin Davis and Beth Walker made excess, uh, expressly uh, expensive upgrades to their offices. A $32,000 couch? Uh, yeah. Is that what it said? Yeah, a suede leather ha- uh, couch. Some my legislators oh said they didn't support impeaching any justice for wasteful spending, only for articles pertaining to lying, cheating, or stealing. But John Schott, a Mercer County Republican who chaired the House Judiciary Committee hearings, that drew up the impeachment articles, asked whether there is public confidence in the court. And if not, quote, we need to take action, try to rebuild that trust, unquote. 
Several lawmakers noted the Supreme Court has a separate budget and is currently allowed to spend as it sees fit, but Schott said the court should spend that money wisely and for the benefit of its citizens. A proposed constitutional amendment this fall would bring the state's court's budget partly under legislative control. Lori, who wrote, and this is the the Chief Justice, all right, he wrote a 2006 book chronicling West Virginia political corruption. Hmm. <laughs> Was indicted in June. Now, we go back and they're talking about the the desk, the couch, and whatnot. So now maybe, we get, maybe he has some insider information. Yeah, that's insider. It. let's get down to the, the, real, the real meat of this. 23 counts of mail fraud, wire fraud, lying to federal law enforcement, witness tampering, and obstruction of justice. Folks, this isn't Sounds just... Sounds like a cover-up. This, this is not just about renovations in an office. Sounds like Arkansas. Well, this I, is really serious, serious <laughs> stuff. That comment about you're allowed to spend money, but you should spend it wisely, that's kind of bogus. You've got to have some kind of oversight for this no, kind of spending. There's got to be a law. Else. Yeah. There's a lot more you got to this show story. that they broke the law there's by a lot spending more. a lot, you know. Uh, Delegate Tom Fast, a Republican from uh, Kanawha County, said at the start of Monday's session, ladies and gentlemen, this is a day that none of us really want to be here. One impeachment article accuses Lowry of lying to the House Finance Committee back in January about his involvement in his Supreme Court office's renovations, including a custom-designed wooden inlay map showing all 55 West Virginia counties embedded in his floor. And his county is in granite. You know. Oh, nice. Laurie also was cited in separate articles for using state money to frame personal items at his office, the use at his home of state-owned computers, and an expensive antique desk and using state-owned vehicles for personal use, including over holidays. He also was cited along with Workman, Davis, and Walker for failing to control expenses, including more than $1 million in renovations to their individual offices and not maintaining policies over matters such as state vehicles, working lunches, and the use of office computers at home. Lowry, Davis, and Workman also were cited for authorizing senior status judges to be overpaid in violation of state law. Ah. Justice Minnis Ketchum retired and agreed to plead guilty to a federal wire fraud count involving the personal use of state-owned vehicles and fuel cards. Special, so what was he actually guilty of if he pled guilty to that? Wire fraud. No, I mean, what is, I mean, Using he, the money he, for personal reasons. No, I mean, what, I mean, the thing is, if he pled guilty to that, what else did he do? Uh, well, that's a good question. To get off on it. Yeah, yeah why, why, did, why, did, why did he else? take a plea deal? It, it, he may have turned and be in it, you know be testifying against the others. Who knows? Right, right. right. I'm, just, I'm just saying though that that I don't like these plea deals on some level because what are the, what are these guys getting away with when they take these plea deals? Now, Circuit Judge Paul T. Else. Harrell has been sworn in to act as the court's chief justice for the Senate trial. The last time uh, the West Virginia legislature was involved in similar proceedings was back in '89 when State Treasurer A. James Manchin 
wonder if he's any relationship to the senator, was impeached by the House of Delegates after the state lost $279 million invested in the bond market. I wondered if if the money was delivered in a... uh, a cherry pie box. A pie box. <laughs> uh, man should resign before the state senate took up the impeachment measure. He was never charged, and the state recovered fifty-five million from lawsuits against nine New York brokerage firms included in the losses. That's twenty percent. Does it mention Supreme Court Justice Robin Davis in that article? Because I just I'm looking at a current article here that says uh, yeah it says that Chief Justice Margaret Workman and Justices Robin Davis and Beth Walker made excess uh, excessively expensive upgrades to their offices, uh, and uh, that's where that million dollars comes. Okay, so the latest is that the governor accepted the governor of West Virginia accepted a letter from uh, Supreme Court Justice Davis last night. She's retiring from the court effective mm. yesterday. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, so, but well, there's there's also some talk about the possibility of impeaching the rest of the Supreme Court justices there in West Virginia. Well, yeah, they're all there. I mean, I think two of them maybe have resigned now. Well, One or two of them have resigned have re- as soon as well, the impeachment came along. And, and, and sounds but like that doesn't mean that they won't get charged with crimes. That's correct. Perhaps that's so, kind of like Peter Strzok getting fired from the FBI. It right, doesn't it, mean a lot. But there again, that might have been one of those things where they might have made a deal with with the prosecutors you know i'll resign if you can if you'll just leave me alone uh, who knows it's unlikely but, uh, that that sort of action would be part of a prosecutorial situation because that whether you do know. or don't work for a company and whether mm. you resign or not you know they have that's not law right. so they have right. really no control right. it, so that's not going to give the prosecutor but, anything to work with but who knows so. what they're what what kind of plea deals they might go for i don't know well, but well the interesting thing is the governor also sent a letter to the justice acknowledging her retirement and thanking her for her public service Hmm. So it's really odd. It's really hmm. odd. There's one the, thing for the sure. The way the public has served her, perhaps. There's one thing for sure. You cannot get less corruption by government by just increasing more government and more oversight. <laughs> there is only one way to have less corruption in government, and that is to have less money in government. These guys' budget was way too much. They shouldn't have had that much money to waste in go. their budget. The With first no thing oversight. they need to do is cut their budget by 50% and where they can't afford $300,000 leather couches. Well, like I say, and where's the oversight for well, this? Well, it starts or, next year, by the way. Uh, start next year. Well, you don't <laughs> well, need to hire three says. people to, 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 to be more paternalism to look over. We're going to hire more people to overlook the people that we already have. That's the reason government gets out of the crow. Mm-hmm. You cut the budget. They don't need oversight. They need less budget just give them enough money to change the light bulbs <laughs> and to put down linoleum if they if they need to put something down on the floor so yeah. they need to cut their budget it's the only way to do it the proposed paint, paint constitutional the amendment this fall would bring the state court's budget partly under legislative control partly Partly. Might help. And, and say how much, just partly. That's the reason we have three branches of government. Right. Then the legislative budget may be to be partly <laughs> under the judicial control. <laughs> so, <We> need, <laughs> but one thing I noticed that was interesting is, what was the last time they impeached anybody? Was it in 89? Yeah, that was Nearly 30 years ago? $279 million, million dollars invested in the bond market. And, uh, of course, that's, see, that's exactly what uh, What's-Her-Name was doing. The reason they were going to go after her and did mm-hmm. was because she was 
being favorable to certain bond companies mm. that were churning the waters to make a bunch of money off of using uh, state money. Mm. And that looks like what this was. Now, this guy was a mansion was never charged, and the uh, state recovered $55 million from lawsuits against nine New York brokerage firms because Manchin resigned before the state Senate took up the impeachment measure. Proceedings, hmm. yeah. Well, I think this is one of those things that judges need to have um, some some accountability. And unfortunately, we don't do that very much in this country, but maybe West Virginia will will be a, um, a, a, a trigger, if you will, to get some other states to, well, to start bringing. Well, I don't think they've been very interested in impeaching anybody. I mean, if we listen to what Trent Garner says, the mm-hmm. state senator – He's working on how an impeachment trial would work in the state senator because they done. had yeah they didn't have they don't have any kind of rules governing that uh, and, and he's and writing it right right and so that's that's a serious problem in Arkansas is that we don't have I, I don't think we have an adequate system of accountability for a judicial branch and so they they can do whatever they please it seems like for the most part this was the Republican states. governor in West Virginia that convened the special session of the legislature mm-hmm. in order to take care of what they knew was a problem in the Supreme Court. According to Forbes here, we also have another problem in West Virginia that the Republicans have become aware of, which has to do with um, the West Virginia Legislature's Joint Government Accountability, Transparency, and Efficiency Committee. It's a great uh, name. Yeah, <laughs> talking about states leasing <laughs> office space, and they were informed at the Task special force. session that neither one about a million dollars of taxpayer money was squandered on unused, vacated office space, purely wasted money. <laughs> so who's getting their pockets lined? Yeah, who owns the uh, vacated office lined? space? And it's the Republicans in the West Virginia who've convened this and who are cleaning house, taking care of business, getting it straightened out. We'll talk more about this because it's – I I want to talk about it because I want to know what's the big differences between West Virginia and Arkansas as far as impeachment goes. Mm -hmm. You know, how does this – how do you clean house? Because we don't have processes for that. You know, well, they do for for the House. For the House, but not for the Senate. Senate, So it can't get done until the Senate has rules. Yeah. (laughs) Fresh vegetables and fruits right off the farm, Holland Bottom Farm, in fact – they're out on 321 in uh, in Cabot. Get off that first exit at 67-167 and uh, go straight out. Go over the Vidoc, and on the right-hand side, you'll find Holland Bottom Farm. You'll also find a great selection of watermelons, okra, tomatoes, cantaloupes, jalapeno peppers, sweet lunchbox peppers, red, yellow, orange, and green bell peppers, cayenne peppers, and yellow squash. Holland Bottom Farms has delicious peaches, blackberries, blueberries, and uh, something basically new, Robin Hood honey that's taken from the hives located right on the farm, which means if you live in Cabot, the bees are visiting uh, the flowers of your area and uh, to do their you know, pollination duties, and, and, and all of that honey is would probably help your immune system because it has the things that you might be immune or uh, allergic to. Eat healthy with Holland Bottom Farm and Cabot off of Highway 321. Open Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. They are closed on Sunday. So the question comes up, It is 
our legislature prepared to to take care of an impeachment event here in in the state? I mean, do we have all the you know T's crossed, I's dotted for that? Probably depends on how serious we are about it. I think we can get there, but I think it's maybe we've got people that maybe want to make it maybe a little bit more complicated than what it needs to be. Yeah, I, but I mean, there's 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 rules about it in the Arkansas Constitution. I was looking at it the other day. I think um, it, unless the Chief Justice is is kind of um, there's a conflict of interest, Chief Justice presides over the Senate. I think, well, yeah. is, if I understand it correctly, that would be just the way it um, is in federal. Um, the Senate in Washington D.C. The Chief Justice is the presiding judge. Is it? Is that how that works? I'm not sure. But and then but then the Senate themselves actually make the decision about whether to to convict if you will the house indicts the senate tries i think that's how that works in arkansas and then and then if the um if the chief justice is um i guess if there's a conflict with the chief justice doing it then i think the senate maybe selects who will preside yeah i don't know if i'd have to look at i don't have the arkansas constitution in front of me right since now you I, was, got the, I was looking at it just the other day but. since you got the lieutenant governor who presides over the senate i wonder if he would take over at that, that might be where it all really boils down to political will I think a lot of it does yeah and and then them deciding you know what this is gross misbehavior gross misconduct in office and what qualifies as gross misconduct uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff I think that qualifies as gross misconduct, except that a lot of attorneys have their own little views about this. Well, we can't we can't impeach somebody for violating the Constitution because that doesn't qualify as gross misconduct. I mean, what else would if violating the Constitution doesn't? But um, so it is interesting, and it, it, it should be interesting to see where it goes with. Um, right. Right. With, is it wrong to make five hundred thousand dollars from? A company that's paying you for fees. I don't know that, uh, uh, or is there nothing wrong with it? I well, mean, it, it seems it, a, it, it seems a, it's a matter. Of it, a, it seems a little fishy for a senator to to be able to receive um, half a million dollars for what seems like it, it might be. But is lobbying there, well? Is there a law that he's broken? I mean, that, I that that's what it comes down to, right? And if you can actually or ethical lapses, the appearance or, of impropriety, right? right. And, or can you actually pin pin that as being bribery? I mean, what where does you cross the line from? You know, I'm going to try to get this law passed for you because I think it's a good law, and well, you can they help. Tried to get some of those laws, imp, you know, in, Implem- implemented mm-hmm. in the state last legislative session. You had. Uh, Linda Collins, Linda, Linda Collins Smith. Smith, and uh, Brian, King. Brian, Brian King. King and Kim Hammer. Kim Hammer, Kim Hammer on the House side, the other two from the Senate side, and all three of them got shot down. All of them in what one form Kinda or makes another. You wonder why, doesn't you know, it? You know, I don't, I don't think face Collins Smith got, got died. Anywhere, but yeah. Well, and, and, and I think did Brian's get somewhere and then got shot down in the House. I don't know. Over I in don't the House, the I know details. that Kim was trying to get his. We've had Kim Hammer on talking about it. Uh, he did everything he could to get that through, and it just ran into a roadblock. Was it uh, Mr. Hammer or uh, you know, Mr. T- King that brought it back a second time and got killed again? I mean, they tried. I think he a couple tried of times to bring it around. Yeah. And then Clark Tucker had a bill that I think that maybe actually passed, but I'm not. Sure. I can't remember what it did. It was something to do. To well, do we had to worry about something we to did. deal with ethics, right? But I, I can't I remember what it was. Exactly. Yeah. It was about FOIA. I believe it was a FOIA. Yeah, it was bill. a FOIA bill. It was a FOIA yeah, bill. It wasn't a big. 
no. bill. It didn't do much of anything. Well, I think it started off a little bit better, and then it got pared down to to, to something. That's what I said. Ended up not doing <laughs> right. a, lot of, a lot of times, that's kind of what happened. But went through committee, right? I, we've <laughs> seen we've seen the Republicans in control of the House and Senate try to kill some some uh, FOIA bills or make some FOIA bills. Look um, for it again in January or uh, February less, when we start again. You know, they tried to make they available. tried to water down FOIA it, here in right, the state. Exactly. Well, we got one of the best FOIA laws here <laughs> in the state. We did, but <laughs> they've been attacked by yeah, both legis- the House and the Senate. Last like I said, keep session. watching because we've got lost. a new session yep. coming up, and they're still right. working on it. So let's break. We'll come back. Uh, we got the news for you. Give you a minute to catch up on the news. Proven his uh, part, uh, his points. Uh, of what they were trying to uh, get Mr. Manafort for to prove him guilty of, and that they could should the judge should drop all the charges against Manafort. Now the judge said, "No, I'm not going to do that." And so uh, the Manafort uh, judicial team looked at the judge and said, "Then we rest. We're done." And had not, didn't call any witnesses, didn't call, call Manafort, didn't call anyone uh, to uh, the witness chair and put on any defense at all. Now, that tells me one of two things. One, the prosecution knows they're going to probably get Manafort for something, but not a lot. Or two... They don't believe the jury is going to find Manafort guilty because from what I've read of this trial, the only thing that Mueller has shown is that Manafort is guilty of having a lot of money. Hmm. I mean, the way they you know presented this, they played on the whole, uh, you know, this guy's got a lot of money. He's got a gazillion dollars now, and uh, he made it. Uh, through being, uh, you know, working in politics and he ran some Russian campaigns and things of that nature, which is not unusual uh, for somebody to, to, to run campaigns of um, foreign, you know, uh, politicians okay. over in Poland or over in, you know, some of the uh, other countries, Hungary, things of that nature. I know some people here in in Little Rock, won't name their names right now uh, because I, I, I'm not not asked them if I can divulge that kind of information. It was but, shared with me, but, but they work they, overseas. They work overseas, and they make a lot of money working overseas. So the bottom line is, is that did Mueller prove that what Manafort did was criminal, and is he going to be able to get a guilty plea? Now, or is it going to be like a hung jury or something? Seems like to me, Mueller's got everything to lose here. If it's a hung jury or he or Manafort walks, and let me remind everybody that out of New Jersey, was it Martinez? Wasn't it Martinez that had all of those? He was up for uh, wire fraud and everything, and he was found not guilty. Yeah, it was Martinez. You're talking about Menendez. Menendez. Yes, you're talking about Democrat Senator Menendez. Yeah, Menendez. All right. I had to write first letter. All right. (laughs) Bottom line, bottom line, he was found not guilty. And if that would happen for Manafort, it makes Mueller look terrible. 
Because I, I, I asked uh, R.D., do you know how much money Mueller's already spent on this thing dealing with the Russian collusion and all that? And it was $21 million. But what I've read about this case, Dave, what I've been reading about is they're not trying to prove that, uh, no that he co- colluded with the Russians. They're just trying to prove that he's rich and he's uh, – try to get him on tax evasion or wire fraud or something like that this case that he's spending money on uh most people when they hear about this that they think they're going after him because of of corruption within the uh within the campaign and nope. with the russians well that's but what they this, want you to think <laughs> so if you watch cnn this is all about donald trump and whether oh, there was collusion with the russians but if you read uh, article about this they're just trying to get him on tax evasion see that's the thing if he ends up with any kind of a conviction it won't be anywhere it has nothing to do with russia or collusion no or donald nothing, trump nothing so, at all so what, even if he ends up with uh, a conviction i think it's going to make him look bad but here's where this i think it's kind of interesting this turns i think a lot on rick gates who was proved to be quite a bit of a liar would on many levels when would, he testified. As a credible witness, he falls very short. Well, and what's interesting to me <laughs> is apparently even the prosecution didn't know about these extra affairs or anything until the defense popped up and said, Mr. Gates, weren't you embezzling this money from Manafort to pay for your four affairs that you had? They only knew about one. Now, he stole hundreds okay. of thousands of dollars from Manafort. Exactly. So the point being that if if Mr. Manafort's case sort of turned on the fact that Robert Gates, the star witness, was a huge liar, how does that relate to what's going on right now that's so big in the news the last two days with Amarosa and whether she is or isn't a liar? And what does this all boil down to? It boils down to trust, okay? It boils down to who can you trust and are you lying now? Or were you lying then? And once we get to that uh, situation, all bets are off, right? I mean, you can't tell whether you're going or coming or what's up and what's down at that point. So if Manafort has no defense, or I'm sorry, if his defense feels like that they've done everything, you know, they they don't need to put on a defense because they've shown that Mr. Gates is such a liar. I I think it's fascinating in a very bad way, in a very bad way. Yeah, I I think that Mueller's going to look bad. He should look bad anyway because he's going after anything but, you know, they've said it. He is a man with a with a looking for the crime with the person in mind instead of the other way around. He's <laughs> looking at a crime and try to figure out how it happened. That's not what he's doing. Yeah, he's got him. his mind made up that he's going to find collusion and he's going to figure out a now way to make it happen. There's something stinking there in that. <laughs> administration and we're going to find out what it is but there's no collusion in, in the prosecution of trying to prosecute well, and no. i'll say it again mm-hmm. you no can prove you did it. not do something i'm sorry they, you can prove you did it but you can never only prove that, you did not only that it manafort worked in the campaign that's all for a very not, short yeah, not two months not even that there's anything that he did and that not, was illegal about it so this 21 million dollars has been taxpayers money not about an election corruption and not, not about, about collusion ru- not about collusion 
It's just about trying to go after Tax and destroy and somebody. Yeah. You're trying to destroy somebody who has some ties to the president. Well, the Democrats at. are using taxpayer money to advance their agenda is what it all they're going, boils down to. They're going to. after uh, what's Stone here now. Yeah, they're private, private, going after private Stone. life. So we'll, we'll see how it all works out. But I just thought it was very interesting that the uh, – the, uh, defense sat down asked the judge blows to drop the charges mind. he said no and then they said the defense rests blows my mind it really does i'm really surprised that just tells me there's something going on here that none of the rest of us there was a five and a half to there was a five and a half hour <laughs> conference the other day that of course nobody knows it got sealed and so forth and so on yeah. and it seems like things have slightly changed in that trial since then now, so, the judge has been pretty aggressive, you know, against, I'd say, against the prosecution, you know, criticizing them on everything from facial expressions to the words they were using. And, you know, you're not saying yes, sir, instead of yes or something. I don't know. He's been pretty critical. So it's interesting to me he wouldn't. Well, it's interesting to me that he didn't dismiss the charges. See, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, usually when the defense does that, they figure they're not going to get it. But you think maybe, maybe, and it'd be wrong of us not to take the shot. So they took the shot, and it was they weren't it wasn't getting to. But I think this defense thinks that they're going to. I I don't think they're going. I don't think they think they're going to get an acquittal. I think they think they're going to get a hung jury. Well, one thing for I sure: anything you do not say cannot be used against you. Hmm. That's for sure. And yeah. I think it's more likely to get a hung jury than an acquittal on this one. Yeah. I mean, from what we've seen in the paper, of course, who knows what's being reported, whether it's accurate or anything That's else. That's true. I, I seems haven't been like, sitting in the gallery. And I haven't either. But, and I haven't read a ton of stuff about all the hairy details. But it seems as though there may be some what I call funny money stuff from 2005. It has nothing to do with Russia. Uh, who was the mobster back years ago that didn't get in trouble for all the mobster activity but got convicted on income tax, right? There's different <laughs> ways. Evasion. How do they say it? There's 16 different ways for the intelligence community to get get you? There's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah. yeah well, the they've way. tried to skin me before. i got to look at that. <laughs> i got to find out where that term comes from. There's got to be something it. disgusting behind that. But. I, yeah, I well, don't want to well, know it's a, if it's about cats. I think it's about polecats. And what's a polecat? A skunk. A skunk. No, a skunk. <laughs> That's a variation, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. That is an untrue and nasty rumor. <laughs> yeah. Depends right. on what your definition of just, a skunk. Just saying. <laughs> Applied Research wants you to know they still have their uh, different uh, clinical research studies going on that you can get involved in. You can make a little money off of it. You could p- perhaps be using a new drug that's getting ready to go out on the market, dealing with like atopic dermatitis, uh, which uh, is for an 18 or older person clinically diagnosed with moderate, you know, eczema. You've got acne, moderate to severe. If you've got 20 to 50 inflammatory facial lesions, uh, there may be a new medicine that can clear that up or help clear it up. Uh, testosterone study, overactive bladder study, kidney stones, uh, pediatric uh, irritable bowel syndrome with diarrhea. They've got uh, diabetic gastroparesis, which is a uh, way that you you have you have diabetes and it makes your abdomen 
descend and uh, get all kinds of problems with it. You'll suffer from symptoms like nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, bloating, and early fullness after meals. Uh, This is a new medicine they're working on uh, for that. Uh, You can get involved with several different of these uh, clinical research studies. All you have to do, first of all, you just call 501-954-7822. I suggest you go to arcarkansas.com. That's your website, arcarkansas.com. Now, when you get there, you're going to see all of these different studies right there in front of you. You do a drop-down, look at all the different things that you have to meet, like how old you got to be, uh, you know, what do you, you know, have you been diagnosed like with type one or type two diabetes, uh, at least five years ago, things of that nature. And if you meet those parameters, then you can say, Hey, I'd like to get involved in the study and they'll give you a call and talk to you about it. Uh, that's applied research, arcarkansas.com by phone 501-954-7822. Okay. So let me give you let me give you the rest of this. All right. The uh, lawyer of the defense team said that they had uh, rested their case. They believe he did so because he and his legal team believe that the government has not met its burden of proof. Manafort pled not guilty to all, all charges and is facing a potential life sentence mm-hmm. if he is convicted on 18 counts of financial charges including money laundering and tax fraud understand here this is really rolling the dice this is high i think this high stakes this is high stakes, high yeah. stakes. <laughs> yeah really playing craps what you're mm-hmm. playing all right uh the case against manafort has barely referenced his work as the president's campaign chairman and has not indicated if he may fit into the larger picture of Russian meddling in the 2016 campaign that Mueller's team is investigating. So I got to ask if you, as you've been listening to this, is the American public being served well from a prosecute uh, prosecution that spent $21 million and they're going after a uh, tax evasion case? They're Sounds going like after a Donald money Trump for... supporter. You baby dixed. Hmm. And Sounds uh, like an awful lot of money. But what, what about all these murders that go unsolved? What about all these actual real crimes that are that are out there that are backed up and and and, and, and can't actually get through the courts in a timely manner? Legal experts say this strategy is common, but appear divided on its chances of success. Some think it's going to work; others think it's not. That's typical. Well, because some of them are Democrats. Yeah, this is very common after prosecution rests to file a motion saying they didn't meet the burden beyond a reasonable doubt. That's from John Cohen, a former Homeland Security official and an ABC News contributor. Typically, this doesn't work. Robert Mintz, a former federal prosecutor now in private practice, said Manafort had little to gain and a lot to lose by taking the stand. The defense strategy from the outset has been to attack the credibility of Rick Gates, and boy, did they attack it. And the government's decision to bring him on as a cooperating witness, if Manafort were to testify, it would give the government the chance to refocus the jury on Manafort. And this guy hit a, you know, 
a plea deal that would get him out of serving big time in the big house himself. Well, you're talking about Rick Gates. Yeah, I'm talking about Gates. Well, when the news broke that there were four possibly affairs versus the one that they supposedly knew about, you know, something I saw says that deal may be off the table as well because, again, when he negotiated it, he lied. Yeah. He lied. He lied to everybody. My question is, would Manafort be under investigation if he had not worked on the mm-hmm. Donald Trump campaign. That is the question. And if that is true, Elizabeth, if what you said is true, then this is no different than the IRS going after the Tea Party. That's right. This is no different than if you get involved in politics, then we're going to come and audit you and we're going to find some dirt on you because you shouldn't be involved in something that you're that 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 uh, we're running here, the experts are running. So uh uh this is really sad this is a witch hunt that is not even serving the purpose that it was intended for and you any american out there you could be next because if you support the wrong person or make somebody mad they will come after you maybe that's the purpose of it maybe it is to make people afraid because even if you win the case and and you get gets get drugged through the the system for six months or a year that's a pretty serious punishment even if you win so don't start a tea party, don't run for office, or don't do anything that's not accepted among the normal ranks of politics. Or, or we will or ruin you, you. Or that's exactly right. And, right. I, and I think that's one of the reasons why we need some accountability in government officials. You know, if they're going to bring outrageous charges against someone when there's hardly any evidence or no evidence at all, why aren't we punishing the government officials? Why aren't we prosecuting government officials for, for things like that? But it seems to me that there's just not much stomach for accountability for government officials. Well, this goes along with our earlier topic today about socialism and the greasy slide, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, because this is how totalitarian countries operate, mm-hmm. all right? You guys, neither one mentioned the word banana republic. Mm-hmm. But that This is what happens. Mm-hmm. This is what happens. The government has such power, mm-hmm. they will shut you down either by investigating you or uh, you know, painting you with all allegations that look really bad. And again, you can prove Run you did something, but you can't prove you did not do it. Right. That's I heard, Mr. Trump I heard now. something the other day where somebody And was, when they have that kind of power and no accountability, everyone in this country ought to be scared. I mean, scared. Well, and, and that's, that's, a, that's a, a, a broken judicial philosophy when you have people, well, you didn't prove your innocence. What? No, I, no, I no, no. A, that's heard, not the way. No, that's not I, the way our legal system no, is supposed know, but, to but work. Unfortunately, I heard a story about a fella a while back that was that was that was convicted of, of something, and I think after the trial was over, he, he was actually convicted. They, they found him guilty apparently, but after the trial was over, somebody asked one of the jurors why they why they um, supported the way they supported, and they said, "Well, he couldn't prove his innocence." What? Well, somebody made a bad move when they vetted that jury because they shouldn't even be in the room as a juror. Well, and that's, that's what and that's, they believe. That's that's insane, though. But if, if you actually got a juror after the fact admitting to that, well, he couldn't prove his innocence. You cannot prove you did you, not do something. Generally speaking, it is not you possible. can't do that. It is you know, not you know, possible. Circumstantial evidence can often do a pretty decent job of proving your innocence because you know if he if he accuses me of of robbing this store in, in, in Conway, Arkansas, but I happen to be in California that day, and there's 15 witnesses to to indicate that. Well, Unless they come along and impeach all your witnesses well, right. and make them look like fools and find right. out they're having they're 15 different affairs behind right, the scenes right, right. and they didn't tell you and they stole all your money. Right. Oh, right. my and gosh. So, and so there's – but so sometimes you can prove your innocence, but a lot of times you can't. A lot of times you can't prove – you know, I, 
I, I can't prove that 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 I didn't walk into RD's shop and steal a starter off of one of his engines. I can't prove it. Mm-mm. Nope, you can't. And all somebody has to do with the media make, echo chamber is accuse al- you, and it's over. You've I, I, done it. I, I, you're terrible. You know, right? Especially if it was a time during the day when I was sleeping. <laughs> I can't prove that I didn't you get should, up. <laughs> you should keep a witness with you at all times. Yeah, keep somebody with me at all times. Away, an unimpeachable witness. <laughs> unimpeachable. Someone who has total character that 30. everyone believes in today's <laughs> world. Now, where are you going to find somebody like that? Because yeah. this is back to my point about trust. You know, whether it's on purpose or just generically that this has occurred, there are so many things happening at so many levels of our society mm-hmm. that are all based on basically trust or the lack thereof. Sometimes it's based on fear. Well, is well the, what they're trying to base it on, they're trying to base fear and, uh, and lack of trust. Well, fear and, and lack of and trust. And when you have a whole population that's afraid, and even if I'm looking at you, I'm not sure if I can trust you or not, family members, you know, mm-hmm. inner circle people, <laughs> right. you can't even... Then what starts to happen, I'm, I mean, we're already to the point where when I hear the news, I immediately, no matter what it is I hear, is it true? I immediately think, right. who's reporting it and can I believe it? Is it true? Right. And, and some of it comes back to... And that's because of how we've been you know, poisoned. Right. And some of it comes back trust. to what Dave was talking about earlier is that it's the American people. We're becoming bad people. We're, we're, we, we love... Passive. We're, we're, well, we're passive. Apathetic. But, but we're also... We want other people's stuff. We like socialism because we're lazy. We like... Well, speak for yourself. Like big I only want stuff I've earned for myself. Thank <laughs> you. I don't want anybody giving me nothing. <laughs> we can pick that up when we come back. Yep. You both go to your corner. <laughs> okay. We'll be back with more ding, coming ding. up after the news here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Back with you. Let's... Uh, Next hour is, of course, the Bible guys. So uh, this next story will, I'm sure, concern them as as well. The long-awaited state grand jury report into sexual abuse in six Pennsylvania dioceses, including Pittsburgh and Greensburg, has finally been released. The 884-page document, two years in the making, shines a light into the dark corners of the diocese going back 70 years. 70 years. Exposing the predators and the efforts of their bishops to protect them. Quote, today the most comprehensive report on child sexual abuse within the church ever produced in our country was released. That according to Attorney General Josh Shapiro. Pennsylvanians can finally learn the extent of sexual abuse in these dioceses. For the first time, we can all begin to understand the systematic cover-up by church leaders that followed. The abuse scarred every diocese. The cover-up was sophisticated. The church protected the institution at all costs. The report begins with the following statement. We, the members of this grand jury, need you to hear this. We know some of you have heard some of it before. There have been other reports about child sex abuse within the Catholic Church, but never on this scale. For many of us, those earlier stories happened someplace else, Hmm. someplace away. Now we know the truth. It happened everywhere. The report cites 301 priests, clergy, and lay teachers with credible allegations against them, there are 99 in the Diocese of Pittsburgh alone. Of those 99, a group of four groomed and violently sexually assaulted young boys. 
Quote, one boy was forced to stand on a bed in a rectory, strip naked, pose as Christ on the cross for the priests. They took photos of their victim, adding them to a collection of child pornography, which they produced and shared on church grounds. Shapiro said the priests would mark their victims by giving them gifts. Quote, to make it easier to target their victims, the priests gave their favorite boys gifts gold crosses to wear as necklaces. The crosses were markings of which boys had been groomed for abuse. Because of an ongoing legal battle, more than a dozen names and identifying information have been redacted, but the report shows a consistent pattern of bishops bishops having prior knowledge of the actions of these predatory priests, reassigning them and not alerting law enforcement. Unbelievable. And then there was another section here. I'm kind of moving down. I want to pick it up because it's important to hear. Uh, Where is it? About a 17-year-old girl, I believe. One priest, Father Raymond Lukak, impregnated a 17-year-old girl, forged another pastor's signature on a marriage certificate, then divorced a girl shortly after she gave birth. Despite having sex with a minor, fathering the child, and being married and divorced, the father was allowed to stay in ministry while the diocese sought a benevolent bishop in another state willing to take the predator and hiding him from justice. According to Shapiro, cover-ups by the church were done in an attempt to run out the clock on the statute of limitations. Back to wow. trust. <clears throat> back to Un- trust. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Things. And again, let's go back. This goes back for a long, long time. And in, in Erie, a father was also charged with the abuse of an eight-year-old boy over the course of eight years. Uh, grand jury reform recommendations as part of the report. The grand jury recommended four changes be made to Pennsylvania law. One. Eliminate the criminal statute of limitations for sexually abusing children. Two, create a two-year civil window for child abuse victims who couldn't file lawsuits before. Number three, clarify the penalties for a continuing failure to report child abuse. And then number four, prohibit non-disclosure agreements regarding cooperation with law enforcement. So it's a ser- this serious Took from took them two years to put this together, and this abuse goes back seventy years, wow. seventy years, and uh, I guess uh, Pittsburgh was a real hotbed of it, and uh, Greensburg was the other hotbed of it. But it, it went as you heard it, it went across all the dioceses. You know they they for that that girl that gave birth and uh, was married to the, the the priest, and then the then they divorced her from the uh, the priest. They w- went back and uh, <coughs> tried to find somebody else uh, to take the predator in another diocese miles away to protect him from the law and to hide him until the statute of limitations would be up. And to give him a fresh crop of victims. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It is disgusting. I tell you what, when you look at that and you look at the, some of the football abuses cases of 
of people in these football camps and stuff like that just it makes me immediately think of romans chapter 131 that those that do such things deserve death what they're talking about in romans and i think that sexually abusing children would fit in this category uh in in my own opinion but uh but those that approve of it and those that know something about it and don't do anything are worthy of the exact same punishment well, it, it, of the people that did it. And it sounds like it's worse than just not not doing anything. It looks like they were actually helping to cover up. And that's 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 it's they not weren't, looking like they weren't they looking were. like that's and, what and so they've that's, done. That's, 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 that makes you party to the crime when you help to cover something they like should that. Be up. And these are Catholic the priests. See, I can't get over the trust thing. These are well, people and in, in places that our society has always placed our trust. And like I say, whether it's deliberate or incidental, why, why weren't you know maybe if they wanted to keep these things secret, why weren't they taking them out and killing them? I mean, yeah, it might be illegal, but so is covering up um, child prostitution. They should have been turned over to the law to be punished by yeah, the well, extreme extent. But, but, but they were turned not, over to the law. Because they if, were trying to protect the church. And, well, and I think the law needs to be – What would have, I ask you this question. What would have been done to these people – a hundred years ago, they would have killed in them. the United States of America. They wouldn't have lasted very long. Right. They wouldn't have made it to right. trial. Right. I can if, promise well, you that. Three hundred <laughs> men to trial or not, but the odds of them surviving very long is probably That's not very. What good. I'm trying even, to say, even they if wouldn't make even it. if they're prosecuted and such, I think that the the odds of them making it out alive. Society back then would have taken care I mean, of the problem. I think you're well, right. Well, the law needs cases. the law needs to go back. There has to be more severe punishments. The punishments need to be immediate. Whenever they know that they did it, it needs to be an immediate punishment. It needs to be a harsh punishment. And if there's people that knew about it and didn't do anything about it, they need to have the same punishment of the people that did it. Yeah, we've talked about this on this show a lot, not just about Catholic Church, just about pedophilia, just about uh, child sexual abuse, the predators and whatnot. And... Uh, Look, I've, I've walked in the shoes of a person as a, as a father whose children have been abused by a sexual predator. And I can tell you this much. Sometimes in dealing with the process of healing uh, for my children, I th- it crosses my mind that killing them might have been more merciful than letting them live and doing the things that were done the to victims, them. The victims, the victims. Yes, for the victims. Yes. It was worse than I'm, being murdered. Yeah. I have a friend mm-hmm. yeah. that I've known. Because you live with it for the rest of your life. Yeah, I have a friend that I knew when I was nine years old. We were in the third grade together, and I still know her, all right? She was abused by a series of four different stepfathers. Mm. I did not know this. We were very good friends, lived in the neighborhood, ran around together. I learned this in junior high school. Her mother remarried one of the numerous times, and they left town so i didn't see her for a few years um love her dearly known her since i was nine years old i also know from her telling me and it breaks my heart it ruined her totally oh yeah she's shot i mean she she can't function she's on disability now at our age but she wouldn't she wasn't able to hold a job she has trust issues all kinds of problems she's very promiscuous with men and she knows it but she was taught that sex is a commodity, and that's all it's good for. Well, I think, well, and it ruins you. I think one of the problems with not holding people accountable is it doesn't, it doesn't give closure to the victims. It doesn't, it doesn't help to that's to my point. 
to settle their minds, if you will. I mean, I, I think accountability, I think bringing people to justice is important for, for helping people psychologically to overcome some of the, um, the, the, the things that they've had to face. Well, and I, I'm not sympathetic to the perpetrators, but I'm also aware, and Dave, you probably know what I'm going to talk about, generational abuse. Yeah. Many many abusers Go on to were abuse abused mm-hmm. as children and so we're missing some opportunities to intervene to stop to that. help people that are in pain and they're in trouble but that does not excuse when you're an adult right. going after children no but at some point you need to stop the stop the cascade well, and, but how do we know Right. Think back to trust. Well, but at, at the end of the day, you know, if someone's been abused as a child, it does not justify them violating other people. It just doesn't. That's I mean, what I'm saying. At, at some point, you got to stop it. You, you catch a man raping a little boy, kill him. I mean, do the world a favor. Why are they continuing to breathe? And well, because in our country, for whatever reason, we think that everybody can be reformed. Reformed. Oh, this is a good way to reform it. Not the true. recidivism rate I believe that's is zero percent. In, in this case, it is not right. True. The recidivism rate is zero percent for people who receive the death penalty. And I don't know. Maybe, maybe if you can't go in and help someone mentally to overcome these serious issues that they have, maybe they need to be locked up for the rest of their lives so they can't be predators to other people. Uh, but you know, if, if someone is too dangerous to be turned loose in society because they're a criminal, you know, why are they taking up good air? Well, Good that, helps, that helps get closure to the people to think they're not out there or they're coming back or they'll come back to get me or they're watching me or stalking me. Oh, fear is another big well, part of it on the part well, of victims, you bet. Because fear, fear does play into it. But there are laws in Arkansas. I've worked or talked to law enforcement. We need to look at our own laws in Arkansas. If, if I look at something like Pennsylvania, what I always do is internally look at what can we learn from it, what do we need to check in Arkansas, and what can we do to make sure that this doesn't repeat itself or happen in our state as in other states. But I can tell you one thing in Arkansas, law enforcement needs some better laws in Arkansas to keep after these pedophiles and people. There are laws that they cannot be left alone with children, but you have these mothers, like you're talking about, that have daughters. They will shack up and live with these people that are predators and then say well i never leave them alone with them uh, uh they're never left alone or anything so like that, means that they never go to sleep they should yeah that's yeah. exactly right they shouldn't be allowed to be within well me and paul are pretty well on the same page but anyway if they're still they, breathing yeah that's exactly <laughs> if they're still, right if they're still breathing then they're, yeah. they're probably too close to your kids at least they do but, not need to be uh allowed to live in the same building uh, with, with children or out Well, I, I think it just comes down to the fact that, you know, if, if someone has demonstrated that they're too dangerous of a criminal to, to, to be free and, and to be able to actually have normal human rights, why are we allowing them to continue to take up good air? Well, I've asked prosec- I've asked law enforcement what the rate was to, to, uh, to help people like this and they pretty well said the same thing you said yeah and, and part of the problem is i think we need to fix the justice system so that we can have speedy trials swift justice if it's not swift it isn't just i think we need to speed things up you know if there's good evidence you know if there's if, if, if three people walk in on some guy raping a little boy why does it take 10 years 
Judge Parker. Yeah, you're you're, yeah. you're why, why does Judge it take, Parker. Why right does it there, take yeah. ten years? Why can you? Why can't we have that trial done with in three or four months? They'll take the chance. Predators know, or or criminals know that. What is the chances I'll get caught? If I get caught, how long will it take them to do something to me? And what are the chances that I get off of it before anything happens to me? And right now, uh, in Pennsylvania, and I think also in the state of Arkansas, the odds are good for the criminals. Well, and that's kind of the nature of crime in general anyway, because if we're actually going to have a just system, we give them the benefit of the doubt. We don't just convict somebody on a – we shouldn't be convicting someone on a single witness testimony, but the, but that's part of the nature of cr- cr- crimes. But when we actually have good evidence to convict somebody, why are we taking six or eight or ten years? Right. An Arkansas middle school assistant principal was arrested yesterday – after a 16-year-old student told police he'd had a sexual relationship with her since early in the summer. The Waldron Police Department had received an anonymous letter about the relationship according to a news release. Officers interviewed the student yesterday. He told police inappropriate photos had been exchanged on several occasions between him and the Waldron School District Administrator who was not identified in the release. The officers were able to obtain some evidence from the juvenile to support his statements. The suspect also was interviewed Monday and told investigators she had sexual contact with a minor on several occasions. The suspect was taken into custody after that interview and transported to the Scott County Jail, where she faces up to five counts of sexual assault first degree, one count of tampering with evidence. Scott County Sheriff Randy Shore said, Jessica Williams was being held at the jail Tuesday afternoon on a bond of $100,000. A a previous uh, version of the Walden Middle School's website listed her as the school's assistant principal, though her name now has been taken down. So just to give you a thing that it's happening closer than maybe what you're, uh, you're thinking it is. All right, let's get a break in. We got more to talk about when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. We continue. We got some interesting uh, interviews coming up here the rest of this week. We have uh, tomorrow at 5 o'clock, Eric Trump will join me for about 20, 25 minutes, and we'll be playing an interview that I'm going to do earlier in the day with him and we'll record that and play it back for you at five o'clock we'll be turn talking about the midterms we'll be talking about the race between uh tucker and and french hill he has some things that he wants to say about that and uh, we'll talk about a lot of uh, different other things as well and then i'm going to turn it uh, quickly you got about 15 seconds here elizabeth thursday who's going to be on the show Oh, we're excited. Diamond and Silk, if you've seen them on TV, they're going to be here on Thursday at 3.30. There you go, 3.30, 4 o'clock. You'll be able to listen in to that discussion. And then I'll have a bigger announcement, hopefully by the end of this half hour, to give to you as well that will happen in September. And it's something you will not want to miss. All right, news is up. We'll be back with more. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. I'm waiting on an answer from a uh, text in, uh, that I've sent. I've got one side of a debate set up. I'm seeing if the other side is 
uh, if the day and the time is conducive to them. They've told me in the past that they will debate anytime, anywhere, uh, anyhow, basically. <laughs> uh, and that we'll, we'll find out about that here in a, in a little See bit. See how literal that was. Yeah, huh? well, I think it's pretty literal. I, yeah. We'll get something uh, taken care of. Hopefully, uh, the person will see my text and give me a, a fairly quick answer. With that said, uh, if that debate, in fact, does ha- happen, it's going to be a big debate. Cool. It'll be a very big debate. So I'll let everybody in on it. Uh, it's one of the great, best things that I think that you can do uh, during a political season is have just a really – uh, in in front, say what you think, debate, bring your facts and, and present them and let people uh, hear it. I think this debate per- perhaps will be one of the more shared debates that I've had here on the uh, on the air. Okay, they can you share can, it on the share it on the off of Facebook Live. Yes, or something. yeah, you can get down to specifics too. Many times you'll get a flyer of someone that's running for office and they can say something. I'm for transparency. I'm for uh, I'm for more uh, against Common Core, or I'm I'm uh, against corruption. I'm for smaller government with no specifics, no specifics in mind, no specifics, and uh, with no plan of of uh, I will kill this program. I support this program. Just you know, general, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, Ob- Obamacare. I mean, say something specific. Say something that means something to me. Don't say a bunch of general characters like, I'm conservative and you ought to vote for me because say, I'm conservative. Say something specific like, I want to eliminate sales tax. Exactly. Or I want to eliminate property tax. Or I want to eliminate this particular organization like maybe the – DHS. Arkansas, DHS or the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission or yeah. something of that nature. Let's be specific. Yeah, but yeah, but after you get elected, if you run on these <laughs> non-platforms in these general terms, you have absolutely nothing to be held accountable for. <laughs> well, and, and the thing is, well, you, you may not start of, off with principles; you start off with general generalizations. Like I'm, I'm in, I'm in favor of small government. Well, this particular government is is good, so we're going to keep that. And then all of a sudden, you've got a list of 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 government programs they're all good so we got to keep them all we're going to grow at five percent more than it was scheduled to grow next year mm. so uh mm. it's going to be smaller than it would have been ah but you know it's not going to get any smaller than it is today oh well so yeah. but yeah that's just like there's no definition of what a conservative is yeah, as conser- well, conservative what so we yes. have socialism now so we're going to conserve socialism i know a lot of conservative <laughs> socialists uh, unfortunately <laughs> yeah I'm afraid that's become the, the the new conservatism is is well we're, we're, we're going to conserve socialism but we're, we're going to make it physically conservative socialism or right, something like right. that compassionate yeah. we're going to make passionate socialism conservative socialism right we're going to make them go to school <laughs> yeah something like that for one point six million dollars a year <laughs> <laughs> yeah hire more teachers hire more more teachers, government more money for people that don't want to be there so they can continue their socialism. Okay, so should the Mueller should the Mueller probe be put to an end? Republicans, almost eighty percent say stop it. Hmm. Independents, sixty nine percent say stop it. Hmm. Democrats, 
57% say stop it. That sounds like a consensus. 57% of Democrats want to stop it. That sounds like a pretty strong consensus. A lot of wasted money. So all those majority people, Republicans, independents, and Democrats, need to get on the dadgum phones and start calling their lawmakers and saying, put a stop to this That's witch well hunt. over 50% on Quit every Quit wasting category. our money. Quit yeah. wasting our Unbel- money. Get on the phone. Call them. Democrats are 57%. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Call them. Uh, wow. Rasmussen's uh, daily uh, percentage of uh, the president. You know, how's he doing? Daily tracking. 50%. Wow. Say he's doing a good job, 49% say not so much. And that's higher than Obama was at this point yeah. in his presidency. You know what's interesting about that? For those it's who really want to know. simple, though. Is, is pretty, when you look out at the news and it looks like the country's divided, it is. <laughs> that's the, the simple fact. It's divided. Three well, by 50, and 50, it's, 50. It's like it was in 2016 before the elections when all those polls kept saying you know hillary's going to win and everything i'm firmly convinced that many trump supporters are not allowing themselves to be polled Mm. and they are not telling what they really believe because guess what we talked about this earlier they'll ruin you financially they'll take (laughs) your business away did y'all hear about the restaurant down in houston who had the nerve to publish a photograph when jeff sessions visited their restaurant so they Mm. posted a picture with the chef Mm. Because, you know, here's somebody prominent who's in our restaurant. We're kind of excited. To so they're going to boycott guess what? you, huh? Hundreds of people across the country landed on their social media account. How dare you? They had to shut their social media account down. Mm. These people have never even heard of this restaurant before. So if we're And these 40. poor people are just trying to do what they do. It was started by a Hispanic mm. woman. Uh, years ago when her husband died, they've got a great restaurant that what? apparently does very well. What what better way to what, and now what they are in jeopardy of, of having a business because they dared show a picture of Jeff was Sessions it, who came to eat there. Was it actually hurting their business? Hurting their business? Are you kidding? Are you kidding? They landed on them. Yeah. How dare you feed mm. Jeff yeah. Sessions? Right? But, but How dare you? But sometimes that sort of stuff actually improves your business. I mean, no, you, in this case, it hurt them. Like I said, they had to shut their social accounts well, down immediately. I mean, yeah, I mean they got if, inundated. If, if people, people start slamming Chick-fil-A, more people eat there, doesn't it? That's exactly right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Hillary goes against Chick-fil-A or somebody, then, hey, there's going yeah, to... The, that's the, not what happened with the red hen up there okay. with Sarah. No, well, that's not what They need to move yeah. to Arkansas. To Conway. We have the best Chick-fil-A in the country. You knew that, right? Really? Supposedly, it's one of the, if not the top grossing Chick-fil-A in the country. Oh, wow. Is that right? The, the original one. The original yeah, the one. one. We have two by, now. By, um, well, I, I can tell it's you. It's on Oak Street. By Home Depot. I can tell you this, Dave. We may be divided 49% to 50%, but we're still all 100% Americans, and we should all still want what's best for this country and our children and want to our children to grow up and have a better opportunities. I said opportunities, not rights. The not outcome. Equal opportunity. Equal opportunity to use capitalism to improve this country and improve their standings right, but in, got, in America. So let's we, we work gotta, together. I mean, we agree on a lot of things. After we make everything illegal, then we can give special privileges to certain people. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> the problem, you know, R.D., is that 49% think that making the country better for our people is more health care insurance for kids and the 50, more, more, charging all that the 50% socialism more stuff. money so they can get something for free, free handouts. <laughs> Well, and, that's, and that's part of the problem. We don't we don't want to work for stuff. It's covetousness. We we want to take take stuff from other people instead of working for it ourselves. And and it's 
and, and well, that's kind of human nature on some level. We like to be lazy and we like to get stuff for free. So we finished up this last hour with the same one. I don't want anything that nobody, no. you know, that I didn't now earn. Back Here we go again. Fight. Here we go. <laughs> Speak for yourself. No, it's not for me. I mean, leave me alone. Let me let, let give me liberty. Leave me alone. If I if I That's want to do saying. something, I don't want stupid. stuff from somebody else that I didn't earn. Leave me alone. Right. Don't give it to me. Don't give it to me okay. for free. Well, let's take care of the elderly and let's take care of the disabled. The people that and everybody need our help. else get a job. Okay, so Paul, yes, sir. Got, there's something coming up. Yes. Uh, is it? It's from. I'm trying to think of the group. What's Sacred the, Selections. Okay, is a group that um, helps to fund adoptions around the country for um, for children who need adopting. Um, in this case, um, Saturday, August 18th at five thirty five five o'clock at Hendrix, we are having a fundraiser dinner for a young couple that have um, they homeschool. They're they're a nice young couple. I'll read a little bio of them. Um, meet the Albert family. Seth and Devin live in the Dallas area with her three children, Kaysen, Breck, and Ava. They adopted Ava through Sacred Selections early last year and have been so blessed by her. Seth works in IT security to provide for his family. Devin works as a homemaker and homeschools their, their children. Both are hardworking, dedicated parents who are active in their church and have a heart for service. They're excited to welcome Ella Ruth into their home due to be born in October. So this one of the cool things about this adoption is that they're they're actually being proactive and take, they've got a young lady who's pregnant right now. I think she's she's not married, and so they're they're helping her along. I think while while she's pregnant, mm-hmm. and with the with the um, um, plan to adopt the child as soon as she's born, and so this is kind of cool. Let me read a little bit here about the fundraiser. Join us for a fun evening with delicious food from Pasta Grill, Mike's Place there in Conway, and pork loins. Um, we will have an exciting live auction offering trips to South Africa, Argentina, Nashville, and a cabin getaway in Nacogdoches, Texas. We are putting on a silent auction offering items that are to appeal to all, like trampoline park passes, zoo passes, framed art, scripture canvases, restaurant gift cards, escape mystery room passes, and lots of homemade items like baby quilts, bait table runners, children's aprons, afghans, and more. There will be wonderful company, live music, a cake pie auction, photography, and all to benefit a beautiful family. Let's bring baby Ella Ruth home to her forever family. You can buy tickets, donate, and get more details at sacredselectionscentralarkansas.org. Again, that's sacredselectionscentralarkansas.org, and it's $35 for adults, and it's $10 for children, I think under 18, or 18 and and under, I believe, and then five and under children are free. Um, And it's good food, um, but come and come and enjoy the evening. And again, the this um, web address is sacredselectionscentralarkansas.org. dot org, or you can look it up. On, just look me up on Facebook, Paul Calvert, and I can get you in touch. It's C A L V E R T. That's Paul C A L V E R T. Again, this is um, Saturday, the eighteenth. There at Hendricks University is where we're having the event, and um, it should be fun. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back, finish it up for a Tuesday on the 14th. And the Bible guys think they're here already, probably back in the kitchen discovering, uh, discussing things. So Scott is here. All right, Steve hasn't arrived yet. Hey, if you want a career working outdoors, uh, you want to serve the community, you want to work with your hands, let me uh, tell you who to take your uh you know your application to go get the application take it back to them 
uh, and that's BI Roofing Home Solutions. They're expanding their operations department to better serve their customers as they grow. You can build your future with them. PI Roofing and Home Solutions has career opportunities in our commercial roofing uh, and service division, residential roofing and service division, and home solutions division. So uh, make a difference together with uh, PI Roofing. As you climb your ladder to success, do it with PI Roofing. Apply at piroofing.com or 501-707-3551. All right, seven and a half minutes remaining on this edition of the Power Panel. Elizabeth, R.D., and Paul, thanks all of you coming in. Appreciate you being here. We have, we've talked about some really uh, kind of fun things today, and then we've talked about some real, real serious issues today as well. That whole thing about the diocese in Pennsylvania is uh, – very disturbing to say sad. the least. Yeah, sad. well, it's beyond well, it's, sad. It's an after the fact report. It's done. Yeah, it's, it's happened. already happened. Uh, that's what one of the priests said. Uh, I think it was a bishop who had been working on it, and he says for the past uh, nearly twenty years, I've been working to get this cleaned up. I want everybody to realize we've come a long way on doing that. Uh, we grieve for what has happened before, before this guy took over. And uh, I, there's just nothing the Catholic Church can say that uh, is, is going to do anything uh, to, I think, bring uh, settled feelings to the people from the church in that area. They could fire 300 priests tomorrow. And it, it still wouldn't do That it. would maybe be a small it, start. It would be, it'd be a start in the right direction, but uh, – you know, and prosecute every one of them and take it, turn them over. I just to wonder the how many of them are still alive. Well, and here's yeah. another well, the thing is trusted social institution that's been provably, provably totally taken down. You know, I mean, yeah. every every institution that I grew up with has pretty much been ruined by this sort. Not necessarily sex abuse, but lying, cheating, stealing, immoral behavior, however you want to call it. A lot of immoral behavior. You know, that's probably one of the biggest things happening in the church today was it willow church and outside of chicago it's a huge uh charismatic church it's one of the super churches in the country uh the mega pa- church yeah the pack uh, the pastor just uh, resigned recently because of sexual misconduct <laughs> a whole lot of other people miss you know did uh, the people who were bishops or mm. elders or whatever, whatever it is they have they there. they all uh resigned mm. as well it and it i mean thousands upon thousands of people attended that church every week wow well this there power, has to be accountability well but. And, and you get you get people in in positions of big power and big money because you've got some of these churches, it's big business, I'm afraid. Well, once the yeah. trust is broken, it's broken. You but, can't really put it back together yeah. again. What we need to do in Arkansas are look at what laws can we pass, go to their local sheriffs, go to our local law enforcement, and say, what do we need to equip you with, both equipment and laws, to help you better protect the children our, in our community, the people that actually see it every day and deal with it every day. And whatever they tell us, we pass laws and give them the equipment to, per, to protect our children from both corruption 
and our state government. I think one of the things that we need is we, we as individuals need the ability to bring criminal charges because right now I think sometimes we have government officials who are in bed with the, with the criminals, and so they don't get prosecuted. They, they, don't, they don't get arrested. They don't get charged. And, and we as, as individuals need the ability to bring criminal charges. Well, I think Alan, I've seen Alan Clark on this show pretty determined uh, to uh, write some of the wrongs. In the I think, state of Arkansas, yeah, I, I think, he, I means, what, Alan I think Clark, he means business. I don't agree I with him on Alan, everything, but but I I think he means business on this on this child when it comes issue with if, the, when it comes to DHS and some of the abuses that they've had. I believe Alan Clark is going to continue to push for that cause. I saw the passion in his eye, but we need to also look at uh, uh, our law enforcement and make sure that we get them what they need. I would just say as well, if you're the type. Pray for those people that have to work with this every day, who have to look at these things, who have to wow. prosecute and, and, and try to find out what's really going on and have to deal with this stuff on a daily basis. Okay, before we leave, Mr. R.D., tell me a little bit about what's happening over there at Sunny's. Hey, we're staying. Is this going good? We're staying very busy. I'm buying a lot of wrecked cars, and we're testing them very well. And, and uh, I've got a girl in dismantling right now. Uh, Hope is doing an excellent job taking them apart and inspecting That's the cool. parts. Yeah, it is really cool. Uh, she is really special. She's taking eight cars apart a week and testing the parts and putting <gasps> them on the shelves. Oh my gosh! At one part, one uh, lady, and she's doing an excellent job for us. And uh, we've got good people in the warehouse. It's putting it where we can find it, and we're selling parts and giving one to two, three year warranties on them. And so and, uh, people, they're going out the, the people door. People want a part. If you don't have it, you can find it. That's exactly right. We've got a nationwide locator service. So if it's a major part, if it's one of the top 50 parts on your car, uh, then uh, we'll run it nationwide. We we don't say a no on any major part. We say how much and what warehouse we're getting it from. So we have warehouses all over the country electronically, and uh, we can find about anything you need. All right. Here's the phone number to call, 982-7451. Nine eight two seventy four fifty one. Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. We will reconvene. I will call this group together again on Tuesday. Sounds good. At two o'clock, we'll see you all then. Thank you again for coming today. Let's take a break. News is coming up. Bible guys are next. All right, we're back with the Bible guys. I always like getting to this hour after uh, the the power panels here. Nothing is power panel, but. We typically talk so many really serious subjects. This is kind of a a breath of uh, fresh air coming through at, mm-hmm. at this point. I mean, uh, talking about the Catholic scandal that's happening in Pennsylvania and a lot of other things that have gone down. I mean, it, it's tragic what's uh, happened uh, in Pennsylvania. We won't get into it any longer. If you need to to read about it, whatever, it's all over the news. You can find something on it mm-hmm. and, and see what's going on. All right, so Scott's back with us. I'm back. He is here, I'm back. and you were talking about missions, and I'm I'm going to draw on you later on in the show to talk about missions because okay. you know you hear the people say it, I hear it say it. Why are you going over there for mm. mission work? Why aren't you staying here and dealing with what's going on in our country? Right, you know, as as far as the gospel goes, mm. and then of course Steve Hess is here, uh, minus his. Uh, of course, Twitter account, Twitter account yeah. but uh, he is here today, and uh, we were left with a question last week, um, Scott, about uh, 
what we do here on the Bible, guys, and it's a legitimate question. It's a legitimate question. And it is, how do we know, not us, but the listeners, how do they know that what you're telling them is the truth? There's all, there's all kinds of people out there saying this yeah. and that about Christianity. Mm-hmm. How do they know what you're saying is correct? Mm-hmm. So I'll turn it over to you. Okay. You want, you want to take it first, Steve, and I'll, I'll, I'll back you up. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure you want to back me up before oh, I get started? Yeah. Um, okay. So we'll start with what, what do we always talk about um, when we make comments about the um, tongue-in-cheek about the school? And, and why it's important for this school. Because education uh, is extremely important. And studying the Bible in its proper context is extremely important. And the reason we have so many different denominations, and it's a great question, by the way, because there are so many people out there teaching and talking different things, is because they approach the Bible in their setting and in their context, and that's how they read it. And they come up with interpretations based off their own background or their own beliefs. Most of the time, uh, and the things that are uncertain, you'll hear me say, well, we just don't know the answer to that, and we'll just have to maybe go and see what these guys believed, or maybe just it's, if it was – if there's something you can't give really a clear answer on, it's probably not that important because the things that are really important, God made very clear for us. And we all say things like the Ten Commandments and so on and so forth. But the biggest thing comes back to what was the theme, how did the theme start – uh, and is that theme the same throughout the scriptures? And if the theme changes directions in a 90-degree or 180-degree fashion, then you have to ask yourself, does that theology make sense? Did God all of a sudden just go, hey, you know that scripture where it says he's immutable, he changes not? Well, he was just kidding. He actually does change. So when he said that the law was eternal, Jesus is just kidding. It's not eternal. He's going to change it do away with it. So you have to kind of um, approach every theological um, opinion from that perspective and go, what does it mean to those guys when they wrote it, and does that theme flow, con- does it continue? And if it doesn't, then you have to ask yourself why, and if they're giving you an answer to something that's different or contrary to the Scriptures, then you have to ask yourself why. And you have to go back to the first century, any other records that may be extra-biblical that help confirm or, or, or help um, cement what's actually being said and not from our perspective. That's the biggest thing is because we study from the context of what did the guys who wrote it mean and believe. Not what I to tell you the truth, I have never studied modern denominations. If you if you ask me about Mormonism, I have no idea. If you ask me about the Baptist Church, I have no idea because honestly, I could care less what they think about the Bible because their opinion is their opinion. I want to know what the guys in the first and second centuries were saying and the guys who were writing it because they wrote it. Yeah, you know, uh, most of the colleges you'll go to will teach you not so much what the Bible says, but what their denominational doctrine wants you to believe. And uh, the only reason why you should believe anyone is if what they're doing is giving you the Word of God. At the end of the day, the only authoritative thing we have to stand on is what this is the Word of God. Most of the extra, most of the denominational structures are based on tradition or dogma. Um, I think the Catholic, the actual question came from a, a Catholic brother, um, and um, I, I married into um, the family. I married into is a widely uh, Catholic, and the fact of the matter is, the Catholics for the most part use tradition 
church mm-hmm. tradition more to interpret or decide what they believe as opposed to the scripture. If the scripture and tradition conflict, they take the tradition over the scripture. Therefore, from our perspective, you've disqualified yourself from even talking because this, your tradition means nothing. The Bible actually says, Jesus speaking to the Pharisees says, you make the word of God of none effect through your tradition. So the only thing that gives us authority or gives us credibility in what we say or teach is when what we say or teach is based solely in the scripture. Uh, I could tell you I have a PhD in some a Catholic or a Baptist or or anybody else can say, well, we have PhDs as well. So you can't really go along that route because you can have a PhD in anything. But at the end of the day, who is actually teaching you what the Scripture says? Because that really is the only place where authority can actually come from. But, you know, those asking questions like this need to know that, you know, there were people who asked the same thing of Jesus. Yeah, They said, by what authority? He was out there teaching and doing things. They are saying, hey, you know, who are you and what authority are you doing the things that you're doing? How is it that you're coming along and teaching us something different than what we actually uh, have been taught? And the only thing that makes a difference is if you're teaching what the Scripture actually says. And so that's a decision you're going to have to make. But what we believe is that the, all the Bible is all true for all men for always. And if anybody comes along and says, well, we're going to insert the tradition of man, man-made dogma, the doctrines and dogmas from our perspective, you know, at the end of the day, then really that's the group that needs to be questioned, not those that are actually yeah. saying what the Scripture and says. they establish an authority outside the Scripture because then when you come to them and you go, hey, um, I was reading my Bible on my own, and I saw where something said this, and then the, then it says this in the New Testament. That seems contradictory, and then now you're teaching us this. Well, they establish things like apostolic secession and the authority that they have to say, well, we've been given that authority to make those rulings and those judgments. Uh, and that's not true. That's how they justify their denominational shifts because they, quote-unquote, been given the authority by God to make those determinations. And I don't know how they can do that with a clear conscience knowing they're violating the original intent. I, I don't know. Yeah. All right. What What do you say to the people who say, yeah, but you say this and, you know, you get into like baptism. Some say you got to be baptized to be saved. Others say it's just a show, it's just a, a show of you know that uh, you believe what uh, the gospel says and et cetera, et cetera. They've got some arguments. They quote some scriptures. They they quote scriptures. Who's got the truth in all this? Mm-hmm. And that's a, that is a, a big debate. I mean, there are forty thousand different denominations. Uh, right. The reason why there are forty thousand different denominations is because there are forty thousand different ways of looking at something. Uh, but typically. Um, if you, and obviously there, the reason why denominations exist is because people choose what to believe. Uh, and, um, people are going, it's just like today we have people who believe in conservatism, people who believe in liberalism, some mm-hmm. people who believe in communism, people who believe in fascism. I mean, there's a lot of people are choosing what they want to, uh, uh, believe. And the only way I know to tell people to, um, to, to how to determine this, you're going to have to follow the Holy Ghost, but you're also going to have to listen to people and put everything they say into context uh, within what was actually meant. You have to read the whole scripture. You can't just look at one verse. Most of the time, people pull out one little part of the verse Mm -hmm. and make a doctrine off of it. Pull it back into its context and see what the whole thing is actually talking about. Sometimes sometimes it's not just one verse, although I know some denominations that use one verse. Mm -hmm. However, you can go in through the rest of, for instance, the New Testament and find other verses that deal with the exact same subject that would lead you to completely a different viewpoint because 
they didn't even take these verses into context. Yeah. Right, right. And, and again, it's it's how you approach it. Uh, the people will look at most people look at the Bible as a single spiritual book. That is only fractionally true. It is a book of history. It's a book of um, poetry, ge- poetry mm-hmm. and geography. Um, it is spiritual, but you have to read when every single thing is being said. You've got to look in the middle of the context. And were they addressing this broader context that you're trying to fit this into your theology, or were they dealing with something specific? And I'll give you one that's the big grenade, <laughs> Trinitarianism. So let's look at what Jesus said. He said, go and baptize. Tell them what you mean when you say that word. People who believe in three deities, not necessarily a um, triune view of a singular God. So when Yeshua made this comment when Jesus made this comment, and he said, go and teach and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. We now, because of that single verse, have created this doctrine of three gods. Well, you have to go back to the original. What did the original say? What was the original revelation to the people of Israel? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So how can God be one, but yet now three distinct gods? Mm-hmm. Maybe, now this is, maybe what was going on here is that Jesus wasn't trying to establish a new doctrine. Maybe what he was saying to him is, hey, guys, when you go to baptize, don't just baptize in the name of the Father. Don't just baptize in the name of the Son. And don't just baptize in the name of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we're all one. And so if you're going to baptize, because there was a baptism unto the Father for um, repentance and for salvation for converts, then he's telling them that they need to go baptize. And oh, by the way, when the promise of the Father comes, the Holy Ghost don't baptize in just his name. Do it all in three of our names because why? Because we're all one. Not, hey, we're three gods, but we're all one. So if you're going to baptize, do it in the unity of oneness. That's where I really think he was saying there, not going, hey, let me give you a little revelation that we're actually three gods and not one. Context kind of kind of sets the interpretation. The view of three gods, did that not come in to – you know, Greek interpretation because of all of their gods, you know, Zeus and Olympus, or yep. I don't remember who was a, a Greek god and who was a Roman god. And it, it, and it can, yeah, and it confuses a lot of people. I think, I think the Muslims actually believe that the Trinity includes Mary, that mm-hmm. she's one of the people in the Trinity. Um, okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's, we, we can, we've created a very, um, uh, we almost create our own language within Christianity. You know, we can. Uh, you know, if when, when people who are not in our group hear us th- say things like, "Are you are you washing the blood?" You know, they, they that they're like, "What? What are you talking about?" That we've and so Trinity is one of those things. And the word Trinity doesn't even appear in the Bible. It doesn't even That's exist. Correct. So when you ha- when you're using words that aren't biblical, then you can get yourself uh, a little bit uh, a little bit off. And well, not that, even get you off, but get off a a, a lot of unbelievers not having any idea what you're talking about Mm. and they miss salvation because you're throwing them on a path that has no meaning to it basically right right and when you look at the hebrew it it pans out very well i mean you look at you know you look at genesis chapter one the lord says let us make man in our image obviously god is uh speaking to himself but at the same time he is obviously he has a compound unity he's more than He's more than one, and the word for God is actually the word Elohim, and the word when you have Im at the end of a word in Hebrew, it actually means plurality. It's more than one. So Elohim, if you translate it literally, it would mean gods, 
but it's a singular word because of the verbs that are used along with it. So you know it's singular, but it's singular in plurality. It's almost like saying there, if, you, if there's a herd of deer out there, there might be 15, but you'll say, look at those deer. You don't say, look at those deers. So, I mean, it, it's, it can mean plurality, plurality right. although it's a singular. So, uh, it, but you listen to the verb, the, the pronouns used, and you can tell there's more than one aspect to God here. And when did this doctrine start? Not till about the second or third century. Yeah. All right. Not at the apostles. All right. Scott is with us today. Don't forget he is the pastor at Agape Church, 701 Napa Valley Drive in Little Rock. Their Sunday service time is 10 a.m. Their website is aclr.org. And uh, his Twitter account is at Dr. Scott Stewart. That's just D-R, no dot, D-R, Scott with two T's, Stewart, S-T-E-W-A-R. If you know, there's uh, 567 different ways to claim your Social Security benefits, 2,728 rules in the Social Security handbook. Uh, To make matters worse, uh, the government's told the Social Security Administration they are forbidden to offer you any personalized advice. So you're really on your own, and it can be really confusing. Uh, That may be why there's much as $10 billion a year in benefits that go unclaimed every year so here's what you need to do you, you learn how you can wring every nickel out of your social security benefits by getting the up-to-date 2018 guide to social security you can get it from david lucas host of the david lucas show here on 101.1 fm the answer located over in uh, uh on Maumel boulevard uh, to get your free 2018 guide to social security one uh, be one of the first 10 callers right now So don't leave tens of thousands of dollars on the table. Get back every nickel that's rightfully yours. Call 501-653-6690 or visit davidlucasfinancial.com. All right, back with you. Scott Stewart's here. Of course, uh, Steve Hess is here. Uh, Scott was at a conference last week dealing with missions. Mm-hmm. So uh, I got about two minutes right here. I'll let you start, and I'll tell you when you got to stop, and that you can pick it up after the the news that's coming up. But bottom line, what was this all about? What were you all meeting about? Well, it was called uh, this conference called Fire for the Nations, and it it basically is a gathering of people of like mindedness who um, understand that the very last words of Jesus become the first priority of the church, and the last words of Jesus are to take his gospel, his word and to spread throughout every nation of the world and not to stop until he returns. And um, it's a way to more or less resettle yourself, realign yourself to what's important. Uh, we can get caught with a lot of programs, a lot of initiatives, and forget the world. Um, and so it's a good way to reset. You meet a lot of people who are in the same situation, you pastor of churches, missionaries, and just helps you to kind of reset, refocus what is really important. Americans have a tendency of getting caught up in believing that we are the end-all and be-all of the planet. Uh, the United States is 4.5% of the world's population, which basically means 96% of the planet lives outside of our borders. Yet, uh, of that 90, I forget exactly the number, 96%, I believe it is, no, 94% of all the preachers and ministers in the world live here. When you think about that, that, that means there's 6% of the world's ministers trying to minister to 94% or 95% of the planet. 
How is that even? How is that possible? How is how the Bible actually says in the book of Proverbs it says an unjust balance is an abomination to the Lord. It seems to me like putting ninety four percent of all the preachers in the world into four point five percent of the population seems to be a bit of an unjust balance. And so what we can do is we can realign ourselves and use our funds to help get the gospel out if we're not going to go ourselves. All right, we're going to talk more about this when we come back. Right now, though, let's find out what's happening in the news. We'll do that now. All right, second half hour of the Bible Guys today. Remember, 823-0965 is the number if you have a question. Uh, if you can't get to a phone or you, you've been told you can't call because you're at work or whatever, you can email us. Bible guys at s a l e m salem l r dot com. Okay, you said Leah. Is that who our caller is? Okay, so Leah has called in. Leah, how you doing? Say hi to Scott and Steve. Hello. Hello, Hello. Bible guys. Hey, Leah. Um, so I'm just wondering, with all of the gender issues and the questions about gender that are happening in our nation right now. Um, what are your church's positions on women in ministry and just their involvement in general in church life? Perfect. Thanks, Leah. I appreciate it. You want to just, we'll just let you listen in. Is that all right? Okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, and I think that's a great, um, a great question. Um, there are some churches who, um, first of all, we believe that every person, male or female is equal before the Lord. Um, the Bible tells us that there's neither male or female in Christ, and also there's neither there's neither bond or free in Christ. There's neither um, uh, Jew or Gentile in Christ. Um, however, uh, although in Christ there is no difference, that is meaning in uh, in our walk with the Lord in our salvation. But there are still differences. Um, although we are either the, although there is no difference between male and female in Christ, we all know there is a difference between male and female in the natural. Uh, there is no Jew or Gentile in Christ, but there is a difference uh, in the natural. Uh, when it comes to uh, spiritual things, God has made us one. Uh, however, the outworking and the, out, the walking out of these things in the natural world, there are going to be um, differences. So although we affirm the fact that women are equal in the sight of God uh, as well as um, men are, uh, at the same time, they're not the same. And so equality does not equal sameness. And I think that's one of the big mistakes our society makes is they interpret equality as being sameness. And, in fact, our it's our differences that can be our greatest strengths. Uh, either that or our differences will tear us apart. And I think in our nation right now, it's our differences that are tearing us apart as opposed to our differences making us strong. And I think anyone who's married knows that typically you marry someone who is strong uh, where you're weak and you're able to feed off of your, your spouse's uh, strength and make you a stronger whole. Um, so most definitely um, the women have a, a functional role in the body uh, of, uh, of Messiah and uh, are valuable in the sight of God as much as any uh, man. However, that being said, there are different roles uh, for men and women in uh, the church just as they are in the, uh, in the home. And um, so, again, although they're equality, they're not same. All right. So let me stop you and say that's just not your opinion. No. That's biblical mandate. Mm-hmm. That's correct. That's correct. And th- there, there are two types of churches uh, typically. Now, this is a little theological term, two t- theological terms. But there are churches that are called egalitarian churches and churches that are called complementarian churches. 
and we are a complementarian church. And what that means is this, is the egalitarian churches basically mean that not only are women, men and women equal in the sight of God, they're also the same, uh, which means there are no defined roles. In other words, it's, it's just a, whatever you're feeling you should do. There are no defined roles. However, a complementarian church, which is what we would be, is that we believe that God has made man and woman distinctly different, and their differences complement uh, each other, and they strengthen uh, one another. And so uh, some people ask the question, do you believe that women can be um, teachers? Absolutely, women can be um, teachers. Do you believe that, that women can have leadership roles uh, in the church? Women can have leadership roles in the church, of course. Uh, can women lead? Yes, women can uh, lead. However, uh, the Bible is specific. It actually defines how their leadership looks. It says that the older women should teach the younger women. Uh, you don't see it saying anything about the older women t- teaching the younger men. It defines, it gives us parameters on how we uh, should work. Um, some people ask, uh, can the woman be a uh, the senior pastor of the church? This is the part where we would say that uh, that would not be our position. Uh, our position is that, that God's authority is distinctly masculine in that sense, uh, and it is that way because it's been that way since the beginning. Uh, if you again, this is not my opinion, but when Eve ate the fruit, uh, nothing happened, nothing changed. Uh, it wasn't until Adam ate the fruit that the Bible says their eyes were opened. And then when God came to the garden, He knew Eve. He knew Eve ate the fruit first. But when God came to the garden, who did He ask for? Adam. Mm-hmm. Why He went to the one who was responsible. Romans then tells us by one man's sin, death reigned, not the woman's sin. So although the woman ate first, nothing changed in the world. No one's eyes were open. Cataclysm didn't come in the earth. Why? Because God put the the responsibility, the headship, the the weight of this whole thing on the shoulders of men. And because God is the same, He doesn't change. That continues even to uh, even to this very day. And uh, and we see that in part from the way that I don't mean to dominate here. Steve, no, jump man. in. Yeah. Uh, but um, we see it also how that when the Lord chose. Uh, the disciples, uh, although women were involved in the ministry of Jesus, we know that he had many women involved in his ministry, many women helping in his ministry, yep. many fu- many women funding his ministry. Yet, when we see the man that he chose to be in the leadership, as far as the pastoral headship or the apostleship, we see that he chose exclusively a male uh, grouping to do that. Again, it's nothing. Uh, it's not that one is better than the other. It's just the order of things. And That's I know right. that in this modern society, that order sometimes is is hard yeah. uh, for people to uh, actually embrace. But as far as we are concerned, we are a, a church that believes that men and women have distinct, different roles, equal but not the same. And so therefore our church would be a complementarian church as opposed to egalitarian. I, I really can't add to that, but I will say something that was <laughs> kind of threw me off for a second because I was looking at a message that somebody had sent me when I was in a question or just reading what somebody was saying. And they um, – um, I, I heard trans in front of – I didn't hear gender. I thought oh, right. this was a question about transgender. I was like, wow, somebody just called in. They just threw a grenade in the radio. And, that, and when you were talking about all of that, I was just like, uh, well, he's really taking a long time to get to the transgender part of that. I didn't. That's what I heard. I was just – anyway, so that's kind all of right. funny. I was looking at my phone. I'm sorry I wouldn't pay attention. Uh, okay. That, that's right. That's a question. Problem. Yeah. In Pastor Scott's current series, Relationships, mm. he refers to Shabbat as being a date night. Yes. Would the pastors, now they bring you into this too, Steve, all right? So that means you have to be paying attention. All right, the, I'll put my yeah. <laughs> And there is no gender in this one. Uh, would the pastors explain how they go about 
practicing Shabbat. I love the show. Okay, great. Uh, yes, I'm doing a relationship call, uh, a series called Relationship, um, and it's uh, the relationship is taken out of the uh, the Ten Commandments and how that it's basically a a marriage contract. That's what the Ten Commandments are. It's a betrothal, and one of the things in it is a uh, a date night, a time where God says once a week we're just going to spend time uh, together. Um, I'll, I guess I could just share how we do it, and then Steve can share it. Yeah. The thing that's important, I think, uh, I, I don't want to share this and make some people turn this into some type of a legalistic ritual that you have to do it exactly this way. You're meant to own this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like if you were to go to anybody's house for a, um, let's just say Thanksgiving, you know, your family might eat one type of food, somebody else might eat something else. You might, you know, you might have a different, you might all come dressed as pilgrims and Indians. I mean, everybody has different traditions. And so the important thing is to own it. If you never own it, it will never become a part of you. And so you'll just do it by rote. It needs to become yours. So uh, I don't want to say this and then you just write it down and then try to do exactly what we do. You just right. own it. But basically, um, for my family, what we do, is uh, we uh, when when we when Friday evening arrives the the Jewish day or the Hebrew day starts in uh, the evening, so when Friday evening arrives that's the beginning of the Sabbath, and uh, what we do is we gather around the uh, table and we um, my wife many times will um, light candles, um, two candles are lit, uh, one candle there's two times the Ten Commandments are given in Deuteronomy and, and in Exodus, one it says to remember the Sabbath, and the other one says to observe. And so these two candles are lit, and in, in one in remembrance and one in observation. And that's why those are, are done. I think it's quite interesting also. The one commandment that says to remember is the very commandment that most churches say, forget about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that's an important thing to, uh, to say. How do, you, how do you mean? Explain. explain. Uh, about forget about it? Yeah. Or, well, the, the commandment is you should remember the Sabbath day and to keep, keep it, it holy. holy. Right. And uh, in our mind, to keep something holy means a whole list of things you have to do. But in the Hebrew mind, the only way anything can be holy is if God is in it. So when God says keep it holy, that means make space for me in this day. Because only things can only be holy if God is in it or on it. You can't make something holy by doing X, Y, and Z. So he's saying take the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, making it holy, guarding it to be holy, allowing God to be in it. But it says to remember the Sabbath day. But most churches tell us, just forget about the Sabbath. Let's do the Sunday bit. And so the very day that God commands to remember is the very day that most evangelical churches say, forget. And so that's why I was making a mention okay. of it in that way. Um, so it starts off typically with a uh, lighting of uh, candles. My, my wife will make uh, typically some uh, bread called uh, challah bread. And this is um, to represent the loaves, that, uh, the show bread that would be in the um, – in the temple, and then we have we pray a prayer. We I usually read a scripture. We pray a prayer. We welcome the Sabbath. We we bless God in it. Um, I lay my hands on my wife. I speak blessing over her. If my children are there, I lay hands upon all my children. I speak a blessing over my children's life, and then we begin our celebratory uh, meal, and uh, we fellowship over that over that meal. And this is the beginning of the twenty four hour cycle of time where we're going to take time and enjoy each other, enjoy God enjoy his word, take a break from the work that we do and focus on the things of um, the Lord and just enjoy life that he's given us. Okay, before I go to, to see let me come back. Now, yeah. All right. Uh, ben Shapiro, mm-hmm. he's a good friend of mine, Orthodox Jew. Yep. Uh, I can't call him on Saturday. He won't mm-hmm. answer his phone. Don't right. go on it. But no, he <laughs> won't answer his phone. Yeah. You can't ca- carry on a conversation. He takes it very seriously. This is a day for the Lord. Mm-hmm. 
all right, then Sunday I can get a hold of him. Right. Sometimes that's difficult because I think that's my day with it. No, yeah. <laughs> just kidding. But the bottom line is, do you converse do you, or do you refuse to take calls and things during that time? No. Uh, I'm the the uh, I think that what a lot of our our, our Jewish friends, uh, especially if they're Orthodox or, or ultra Orthodox, they follow. Um, What's called takanot maasim, which is basically, uh, which is basically um, rabbinic rules. And oh, okay. For example, there's there's a rabbinic rule that you can't eat an egg late on the Sabbath day, because the chicken had to work to lay the egg, so you can't eat the egg. That type of thing. So there's that a lot would of, be tough. Yeah. <laughs> you buy your eggs at Walmart. There's no know, way a, you know when he laid that egg. I was in uh, I was in Jerusalem several years ago with my son. We went on his senior trip, and uh, we were at a restaurant, and it was on Shabbat, and uh, I had eaten pasta. It was spaghetti sauce and noodles. Um, that's, yeah, that's what pasta is. It's yeah, basically, spaghetti, yeah, that's spaghetti. spaghetti is. Yeah. And, um, and so afterwards, I wanted to have a cup of coffee. And he brought me a coffee black. And I said, could I have some cream with that? And he says, no, we're a kosher restaurant. And I said, well, I didn't have what? I didn't understand what he was saying. He said, yeah. well, he said, well, the fact is, if we put cream on that, there's a chance that you might have some meat left over in your stomach somewhere. And if you drink this and this cream could touch the meat in your stomach and then wow. therefore and I'm like, the Bible says nothing about that. So there are a lot of rabbinic rules and rabbinic okay. additions. And so what, what Ben would do is he would be following a lot of rabbinic rulings uh-huh. as opposed to just, I would say I'm biblically Sabbath. In other words, I just, the Bible says no servile work on that day. No work of servitude, basically your job, things like that. So I, I take it more – my approach is much more lean than the additional rabbinic uh, things that they add on to it. And he may it. take yeah. a conversation from somebody else, even though you're a friend. He may be expecting a work-type conversation. It, so that very well may be that he may take a conversation from a good friend of his uh, that he Oh, knows, if he thinks your call is about work. Yeah, he may be thinking that your call is about work since you're, you know, the nature of your business, um, even though it may Usually be, I'd call him to make fun of Democrats. But that's <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> well, that's his job. That's so kind of work. Yeah, really yeah, that's about. kind of work. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead. So that, that could be part of it. But as far as uh, what we do, it's a very similar thing where we um, get the family together. Sometimes we invite people over and, and then we always um, usually have challah bread and some sort of uh, meal together. And we... Um, say some traditional blessings and then say a blessing over the wife and she says something over me and then we say one over the kids. Uh, and then we'll either um, just hang out, we'll maybe even watch a movie together or we'll play a game together. And then that time's usually just family time or if we happen to vet, invite somebody over, we'll, we'll do some sort of thing like that together. And then on Saturdays before, you know, when we first started doing a show, I was pastoring the Messianic Congregation in uh, Sherwood. Right. And so our Saturday service was getting together and doing a time like most traditional um, Christian services there on Sunday. We had one on on Saturdays. And but we also had uh, it was two services. One was more like a contemporary and the other one was a, a tour reading and a tour study service. And so that's what we would do then. Now that I'm over here with uh, Pastor Scott, we support him on Sundays and I use uh, my Shabbats to actually work on things for the Institute. So I'm usually studying all day on Saturdays. Right. Yeah. So that's how they celebrate. Yep. Yeah. It's very. It's very simple. It's just. It's just a time of enjoying your family and enjoying God and His Word and just abstaining from the things that, the distractions of life that pull you away from the Lord. I think it'd be great to take a Sabbath from your phone. Mm. Take a Sabbath from. Uh, definitely, what what you shouldn't do on the Sabbath is my opinion is don't look at the news. It's going to get you angry. It's going to distract, pull you away. Social media. It's yeah. going to pull you away from the holiness of the day. So you basically you. 
to keep the Sabbath holy, you're, you're, ma- you're making, you're setting it apart. So it's it needs to be a day that's different than the rest of the day. I mean, if your normal day is surfing the net, watching YouTube um, news clips or whatever, if that's your normal, what you do every day, this day should have none of that. It needs to be distinctly different than the uh, than the rest of the days. Remember, that's uh, the only day that God blessed. He sanctified that day and put a blessing on that day. And outside of using that terminology, I um, can make a case that that is the only day that you can receive a blessing on from taking away from the normal things because he sanctified that day. So I think there's something special that ha- happens spiritually in the spirit realm on that day. All right, got to take a break. we got time for one more question. If you want to call it in, 823-0965, 823-0965, or email us, bibleguys at salemlr.com. All right, we just got a few moments. I got a, I got a big question asked uh, the pastor here in a moment. He has, he wanted to add some information uh, an addendum yeah. to his talk about male and female. Uh, I want to just mention once again about the idea of um, a woman being the uh, the senior pastor. I mentioned that, and we uh, I think we moved off of it. Uh, but um, one of the reasons for this is because the Bible, God has given uh, an order, and He mentions He mentions God, Christ, man, and woman within the context of uh, unity and, and marriage and so forth. And if if the, the the husband is the head of the wife, which is the way that this works according to Scripture. Uh, then what cannot happen then is the woman then cannot become her husband's pastor. If the if the if the man is the head of the home, the leader of the family, you know he can't be that. You know, five, six days of the week, then go to church, and all of a sudden she now becomes his leader, his spiritual head, his his overseer, his leader, his teacher. Uh, and so you'd have to you'd have to pervert the the home the order of the home in order for her to be able to stand in that position over her husband in the position of a senior pastor. And so that's kind of this is a much bigger topic than what I just shared, but I wanted to throw that a little bit in there just so you can see a little good. broader picture of uh, some of the reasoning behind the um, the order there. All right, we're down to two minutes. We mm-hmm. don't have enough time to deal with the question I want to ask you. I kind of alluded to it. I think we need more time. Okay. You're going to be here again next week, right? Y- yes, sir. Okay, let's take it up then. Okay. Because I think it's a, it's a serious, serious question. It really, really is. So, um, You can give me a heads up on it? No, I just talked to you about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's more than a two-minute discussion. Yeah, it is. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's, it's a much bigger two, yeah. than two minutes. Yeah. All right. So with two minutes, tell everybody about the school. Are people signing up? Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. Good. People sign up. This is uh, the AmericanInstitute.org. Uh, this is a, um, a school that puts you in touch with the Judaic side of your Christian faith and will orient you in understanding the Bible from the perspective that it was originally given. What did a Jewish rabbi of the first century named Yeshua mean when he said the things that he meant, as opposed to what have they been inter- interpreted to mean by denominations uh, across the uh, across the board? You'll learn linguistics, history, geography, culture, customs. Uh, you'll you'll learn you'll learn the gamut. Where, where it'll, you'll tra- when you open the Bible, you'll be transported two thousand years back in time plop down in the Middle East where you can look at the Bible from the perspective that it was given. Amen. Pastor Scott hinted at it earlier today, and that was when you get a degree, when you talk about somebody who has a Ph.D. or a degree, they usually have a degree in their denomination, which means they can tell you exactly what their denomination believes about the Scriptures. You don't get that here. What you get is the context. You find out what was going on, where they were standing, what did this idiom mean, what, what are these other 
linguistical things or historical, political, geographical, all these different things. And then all of a sudden you kind of step into a four dimension, really, when you look at the scriptures and you start reading it now, they start making a little bit more sense instead of how somebody interpreted it through a different lens. So it's it's a really different than you're going to find than any other school. You really are. I'm not just biased, but I kind of am. All right. Phone number to call. They can call uh, 501-225-0612 or they All can right. visit our website. You can go as a full-time student or you can just audit. Just take some of the classes without any credit. Much cheaper to do it that way. Yep. All right. AmericanInstitute.org. O-R-G. Yes, O-R-G. Okay, guys. Next week, we've got the big question next week. And I'll just tell you, you to take up LGBTQ. Ooh. All right. With the T on the end of that as well. All right. Take a break. Till next week. I'll be back with you tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Don't forget, Eric Trump, special guest tomorrow here on the Dave Ellswick Show.